Good morning, everybody. In Division Three World, I am your host, Dave McHugh, and welcome into the fourth annual Hoopsville Marathon. It's too late. We are buckled up and we are ready to go. 12 hours of Division Three basketball at the very least. We say at the very least because this show in normal, normally has a pendants to going over into overtime. And last year we went 14 hours. I always think at the beginning that's not going to be possible this year, but I am not going to bet against it. That said, we did make a little bit of a change to the schedule to free up some time at the end of the show to keep us maybe from doing that accordingly. It is 10 a.m. on the East Coast, 7 a.m. on the West Coast, and we will be here for 12 hours to talk Division Three basketball. It is certainly something we've enjoyed doing over the last few years, and it is part of our a bigger fundraising efforts to keep this show on the air. Let's call it public television-esque. They do campaigns. We do a campaign. The only And while they show off some of the best of the best when they do it, we do it a little bit different and talk to some of the best of Division Three. And you know what? Sometimes we talk to teams who may not be at the top of the conference or at the top of the regional rankings, not that we've seen them, or at the top of the top 25. We'll talk to a lot of different people throughout. So it's all about our campaign, and we should mention that campaign. It is on Indiegogo again yet this year. Our goal is lofty this year. It's the same goal we had three years ago, and we hope you'll consider helping us out. Uh, we do lose a little bit in fees. That's why we've upped our target so we lose less. And uh, there you go. So we are 6% of the way there. The, now, the campaign does not end today. We would hope you'll consider maybe helping us today. And it would be really awesome if we raised at least half of it, if not more, today. But the campaign is going through the end of February. The end of the regular season is the campaign. And so if you can't do it today, we understand. But we will heckle you and harass you the rest of the month as well. If you don't mind. So that's a campaign. We'll mention it often. It's on Indiegogo. We have links uh, on the show page that you can go to. Also on, on any of our show pages to the right is a um, is a pop-up window of sorts that you can use to get in there as well. So use any of those to, to help us out. We just got a donation this morning. Um, we appreciate that donation. Um, so again, check it out. Uh, we've had uh, eight donors so far, and we appreciate all of their help. We can even get our story if you don't know it. Sign up for different perks on the side there, if uh, depending on how much you uh, um, donate. Uh, we already have one, for example, for the conference MVP. You'll get a public recognition. You'll get a Hoopsville T-shirt, an on-air thank you, and you even get to pick an interview. So we got to reach out to that individual and find out who they want on the show. So the whole thing is there, including a video that we'll even run here later on our show about why the fundraiser is so important to us. Thank you for taking the time to consider it. So what's on the show today? Well, well, the list is long. It's very long. Um, lots uh, of guests from around the country. Our goal primarily was to get a men's and women's coach from every region. Now, due to other segments and some other scenarios, we will talk to maybe a couple extras from some uh, regions, not all. So there you go. And we just noticed that our YouTube stream had not started. So we will now officially welcome everybody into the Hoopsville Marathon. Uh, the Ustream apparently did not listen to me when I said go. 
four minutes ago, but Ustream now up and running. The irony is that Ustream started late while the podcast started on time today. So those listening in on the podcast, if you if we are able to get this up on the air, um, you're able to tune in which to, to more content than those on YouTube. Those on YouTube, we mentioned the um, campaign uh, that we're doing uh, for the Indiegogo. We'll flash it back up on the screen real quick for anybody who missed it. The Indiegogo campaign, we're uh, 6% of the way to our goal. Eight backers so far. We appreciate it. Love to raise about half the money today. That would be outstanding and give us a really good push into the second um, half of the campaign, which runs the end of the month. So a lot today would do wonders, and we hope you'll consider it. Again, it's kind of like public television. You help us stay on the air, and we appreciate it if you're able to do so. We'll talk more about that campaign down the road. So any of you who are tuning in, thank you so very much, and we hope you'll enjoy the show as we are underway here with the Hoopsville Marathon once again. Um, now, I know for some of you on, um, on Facebook, something different this time, uh, we are on what is called a continuous um, broadcast which means uh, instead of having to break it up every four hours and restart our live stream, uh, because there's only so much I can do while hosting this show, it will go straight through. Um, the only difference is at the end, it will disappear. Um, we will try and see how this works to upload the show that we record um, to Facebook so anybody who missed it can watch it later. So we were talking about guests when I unfortunately realized that nobody on YouTube could be listening in. We have a lot of guests. It's on our show page, our list. We do have one change to make. We'll be moving the Dina Applebury interview uh, from Mary Washington up a slot, moving Bill Nelson down a slot. Um, just how things sometimes happen. But otherwise, we'll be starting off momentarily here in the West region. As I indicated earlier, we're trying to get a men's and women's guest from each region um, on the show. Uh, we will also will have a few extras, whether it be the WBCA Center Court segment or the NABC Coaches Corner segment. Uh, also, the Men's Basketball Committee Chair is planning to join us. We are hoping to have the Women's Basketball Chair join us uh, from Haverford's Women's Basketball Coach, but she is not feeling well. She may, may join us at some point during the day, but most likely we will catch up with her on Sunday. A reminder, regional rankings for the first set come out on Wednesday next week. Um, basically, both committees did mock rankings this week to see how they are ready and see if they have any questions, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so we will uh, be going up shortly, uh, or we'll hopefully get to her by the end of the week. We should mention Sunday's show quickly. We'll mention it throughout the air as well. Not at its traditional 7 o'clock airing um, because we're not going to go up against the Super Bowl commercials. <laughs> Um, so we'll be on the air at one or two o'clock. We haven't decided. Honestly, it will be a decision made tomorrow. I've had more focus on this than that. So we will focus on that tomorrow. Uh, we will book our guests and get that show on the air about one or two o'clock in the afternoon. Um, interestingly, because usually there are games taking place. And so we'll even keep an eye out for games, but it also will restrict our guest list a little bit, but hopefully we'll hear from Bobby Morgan from Haverford college, either today or on Sunday. Uh, but we will hear from Kevin uh, Vandestreek, the men's basketball committee chair from Calvin, uh, later in the show. So uh, here's our, our first hour, as it were. We'll hear from Brent Braze, um, for the Cornell women's basketball coach. Then we'll hear from Lindsey Sharman, the, uh, the William Smith women's basketball coach. 
uh, in the East region. Then we'll stick in the East region and talk to J.C. DeLast to get a report on the East region. We'll cover about half of them with some regional reports here. Get a sense from him on what's going on on the men's and women's basketball side. Certainly plenty of questions. Uh, then the next hour, Brian uh, Galuski, the uh, Greensboro men's basketball coach team, unfortunately, has lost two out of their last three to fall out of first place in the UAA, USA South, but still a good story. Then Dina Applebury from Mary Washington, big win over Christopher Newport yesterday to tie uh, or to split the series between the two, tie the two atop the conference, I believe, unless the two lose somewhere down the road, and it's quite possible we will have uh, a coin flip potentially to figure out who's the top seed in that conference. Uh, then we'll talk to Bill Nelson at Johns Hopkins, his team against Gettysburg winning last night, but his uh, he's now won 600-plus games and a win away from 500 at Johns Hopkins. We'll talk to Bill Nelson. And then uh, and that will bring us up to the uh, lunch hour, and then we'll get you the rest of the way. A couple segments to keep an eye on. Daniel Donahue from the WBCA, the executive director of the WBCA, will be joining us, along with Pat Manning, WBCA Center court guest from Williams. Also later in the program, we will talk to uh, Reggie Minton from the NB NABC. He's the deputy executive director, a Worcester grad. We'll talk to Reggie about the NABC and follow that up. Uh, with Dennison's head coach in the NABC Coaches Corner. Uh, Dennison taking another loss last night. But more importantly, he's got an important fundraiser, Souls for Souls, that we will talk to him about coming up. And lots of others. We will get regional reports out of the southwestern part of the region. We'll get northeast covered uh, twice, just because it's so big. Uh, we'll also hear again, as I mentioned, from the east region, uh, also here from uh, the Atlantic, well, maybe the Atlantic region. We're, we're, I may have a tight spot in the schedule there, but we'll figure it out. Uh, and believe it or not, if you stick around today, you will hear from Duncan Robinson, head coach from Michigan, will be joining us on the show. We're looking forward to talking to him about what he's doing since he has transferred out of Division Three. Um, ah, misspelled. Thank you, uh, Wes. Thank you. I, I, misp <laughs> I missed said... Uh, Greensboro's basketball head coach, Galuski. Uh, I apologize, Wes. I haven't had all enough coffee yet to look through all my notes, so I apologize for Brian for that mispronunciation. We have 12 hours. This could be a long show, and I'm going to need more coffee. Um, don't forget, you can interact with us. We'll try and do the Hoopsville mailbag periodically throughout the show. You can email us questions, hoopsville at d3hoops.com. That's hoopsville at d3hoops.com. Um, we know we have at least one mailbag segment in there we're looking forward to. Um, also, you can interact with us on Twitter, at D3Hoops, or hashtag Hoopsville. Dan Schumacher, thank you, sir, for tuning in. Appreciate you taking the time. He says it sounds good. Well, good. It may not sound good in the second half of the day. Let's just be honest. But Twitter, at D3Hoopsville, or hashtag Hoopsville. We are live simulcasting the show on Facebook Live at Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. You can also interact with us on Instagram, though today we'll be a little bit quiet there as I only have so many hands and so many brains. Instagram is at D3Hoopsville and hashtag Hoopsville as well. Um, yes, there's other social media channels out there, but there's only so much we can man maintain, and so that's what you get. That information also scrolling at the bottom of your screen. Um, so a couple notes before we get going into our guests. Um, first and foremost, top 25. We are already up and running, obviously, with that. This week, men's top 25, we have a few games, a few losses that are, are of, to, of note. 
Babson had an easy time with Wheaton Mass as the number one team. Wheaton's got a weekend with Pacific and Linfield, and while I don't expect anything out of that, if there's one team that could trip Whitman up, it could be Pacific because Whitman is coasting at this point in time. Christopher Newport got a nice, solid win over Mary Washington, so the top three looking pretty solid. River Falls remains undefeated in the conference with a dominating win over Lacrosse, or at least a strong win over Lacrosse. The ones to watch are Rochester and Wash U, the number five and number six teams in the country. Uh, they uh, have their interesting kind of split weekend where they played these two opponents the weekend before and now play them again. Rochester will be at NYU on Friday and at Brandeis on Sunday, whereas WashU will be at home against Carnegie Mellon and at home on Friday and at home against Case Western Reserve on Sunday. And Case Western Reserve gave them a bit of a game uh, on Sunday. So I'm, I'm interested to see how the weekend goes for those two squads. Uh, Rochester's worried me a little bit. I actually moved them down in my top 25 this week. I had had them as high as three, I believe. Um, as I go looking for where I thought I had put my top 25. My long, the long story short is I moved them down to four, moved Ramapo into three, and moved Christopher Newport down to five. Ram Rochester, Christopher Newport doing well. I just don't feel they, they are as strong right now as I thought they would be, so I shifted them down a spot. Uh, one loss coming at number nine, Tufts, losing to Mass Dartmouth, 91-82. Um, the Mass schools have had some some upsets this year. Mass Boston had one earlier this year. This may be Tufts dealing with the loss of their big man inside. Bless you. Um, I, I would hope. Uh, they may have a rough couple of weeks here and may tumble a little bit and could put themselves in a lot of trouble when it comes to the, uh, to the regional rankings already. Um, so we got to watch out for that as it were on tough side. We'll keep an eye on them. They do have a tough weekend ahead. They got Trinity on Friday and Amherst on Saturday. If tough goes, Tufts goes winless this week, I actually would not be surprised, but they will be 14 and six, probably falling out of the top 25, despite being number nine. And I would say in trouble, uh, Amherst had a game against Rhode Island college scheduled for Tuesday inclement weather postponed it. I'd be surprised if that game gets in at this point, but you never know. Um, they've got two games ahead of them, Bates and Tufts, uh, this weekend as well. Dennison, as we mentioned earlier, losing to Ohio Wesleyan last night, 82-77. Ryan uh, Scott, who we'll have on in the happy hour segment of the show at the end, uh, made a good comment to me last night. He thinks Ohio Wesleyan may be one of those teams when it comes to the NCAC tournament and when it comes to the NCAA tournament, may not be one of those teams anybody wants to face. Rough start to the season, but they have been clicking along quietly for a while, and they got a uh, win over Denison here. And now the NCAC is up in the air a little bit. And Denison has Worcester tomorrow uh, this weekend. Worcester nearly lost a 48-game winning streak to Oberlin last night. Escaped by one against Oberlin last night. So it's not like Worcester is playing the best basketball possible. Uh, that's the only two losses in the top 25, Denison and Tufts. Rest of the way, pretty much uh, chalk, the way you would expect it to be. Uh, no real surprises uh, at all. Uh, though we got a big game coming up on Saturday, North Park versus North Central in men's CCIW action. We'll certainly be talking about that down the road. In the uh, receiving votes category, Rippon took another loss, losing to St. Norbert, just as I got comfortable with them and voted them in. Um, they lost to St. Norbert uh, on the road by th uh, 17, 79-62. Um, maybe I bought into ripping a little too much. TCNJ lost to Rowan just after the article came out talking about how hot they were. They are now 15 and six, and they got Ramapo up ahead of them. And Randolph Macon lost to Hamden Sydney, 63-56. This is Randolph Macon's first loss in the conference, 
And talk about a rough start, but a good conference play. I think Randolph Macon's honestly playing a little bit above themselves. Um, I don't think they've been as good as people expect them to be. And let me rephrase that. They're playing better than people expected them to be. Um, I think a little ahead of themselves. So the first loss in conference coming now is surprising, but the fact that they finally lost, not surprising. But it turns the ODAC race around a little bit. On the women's side, there's actually more losses in the top 25. Christopher Newport lost to Mary Washington, as we mentioned earlier. That's five losing to eight. They now have split the regular season between those two teams. Um, and Christopher Newport will have St. Mary's coming up. Scranton lost to Moravian. Uh, Scranton has now lost three out of four and have fallen to third place in the landmark. I'm not sure what's going on with the Royals. I saw them when they played Goucher, and what I saw didn't blow me away, but they were playing my alma mater, and my alma mater isn't exactly one of the strongest teams in the region. Good, but you know, not great. Um, marginally good. Um, and Scranton just didn't blow me away. Something about them just didn't shock me. Uh, didn't go, oh, yeah, they're the number three team in the country. And, of course, now they're number um, they're number uh, 14, I should say. But they were three at the time. It just didn't blow me away. Um, I, I don't know what it was. The guard play didn't seem big, didn't seem, didn't seem fast. The bigs didn't seem dominating. Uh, it may have been because they were playing Goucher. But now that they've lost three out of four, and they've lost to all the top players in the landmark. They've lost to Catholic, E-Town, and Moravian. Things have changed, um, and I'm wondering if Scranton's skills have been exposed uh, or lack thereof in certain areas, and they can't adjust. I'm really fascinated as to what might be going on there. Montclair State lost their first of two against Stockton this week. They lost 68-65 in overtime to Stockton. They will replay Stockton on Saturday. Remember, we talked to uh, Coach Harvey about those games uh, on Sunday show. And Gustavus Adolphus lost to St. Thomas, 75-69. Big game against undefeateds. Gustavus Adolphus taking their first loss of the season. We will have the Gustavus Adolphus head coach coming up later in the show. And then Wheaton, Illinois, lost to Carthage, and it wasn't pretty. 70-44. to uh, Not a good, good game there for Wheaton at all. Receiving votes category, Calvin lost to number 10, Hope. No surprise in overtime, 63-55. And Stevens Point lost to number 16, Oshkosh 60-55. Pretty much how you would expect it to play out. By the way, just got a, uh, another campaigned contribution, and we certainly appreciate that. And it looks like someone may have signed up for the, um, the starting lineup feature, and they did. That's a fourth claimer. I appreciate their support um, very much so. And look forward to uh, hopefully down the road uh, doing more. And getting more. We want to get over our goal. Going to take a break and get to our first guest. Our first guest will head out to the West Region and talk to Cornell women's basketball coach Brent Braze. Plenty to talk about in his conference, as we have mentioned. You're listening to Hoops Hope, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA NABC studios. You know how to interact with us. We'll take a break, and when we come back, we'll get the guests rolling for the first uh, part of this broadcast. We've got 12 hours ahead of us, people. we got to we got to pace ourselves, but it's all about Division Three today. We'll be back with more Hoopsville after this. My name is Marcus Walker. I was All-State, won a state championship, a high school All-American, and played college and pro ball. I played because I love the game. I grind to be the best. I sweat because I put in work. I'm strong because I believe. When I want to bring it before game time, I come to the house that college basketball built, the CBE. 
No matter your skill, take it to another level. Elevate your game right here at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. I'm a Division III student athlete, and I know how powerful words can be. The term gay doesn't mean stupid, lame, or less than. So I pledge to speak up if I hear the term gay used in a derogatory way or any other homophobic terms. If you can play, you can play in Division III. I'm a Division III student athlete, and my teammates unconditionally accepted me as part of their family. So now I pledge to do the same for others. If you can play, you can play in Division III. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. Great moments are born from great opportunity. That's what you have here tonight. That's what you've earned here tonight. This is your time. Now go out there and take it. And welcome back to the Hoopsville Marathon, folks. Hope you're enjoying the show. If you've got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville and hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, hoopsville at d3hoops.com. Join us on Facebook at facebook.com slash hoopsville, where we're simulcasting the show. Of course, you can always email us questions for the Hoopsville Marathon at hoopsville at d3hoops.com. We're low on coffee, but we're going to keep pressing on, and we'll get more coffee later, as it were. Um, going to start with our guests now, and we'll be moving through most of the, uh, every single region and talking to one men's and one's women's coach from each of the regions today, plus some additional guests along the way. Again, the full cat list on our show page. We're going to start out in the west Con or in the uh, central region, I should say. I said west earlier, and I apologize. I should say central region, and we'll be talking about the Midwest Conference in women's basketball. Um, currently leading the way right now, it's a it's a Cornell Rams. 14 and 4 overall, 10 and 1, but they got St. Norbert and Rippin nipping at their heels at 10 and 3, two games back. Uh, and don't forget about Knox. And by the way, there's six teams ab above 500 in this conference. It's an interesting race. I don't think a lot of people are talking about. So we're going to go to the Hoopsville Hotline, sponsored by the City of Salem. And Brent, uh, Brent Braze joins us here, Cornell head coach. Coach, welcome to Hoopsville. Thanks, Dave. Happy to happy to be here, and thanks for having me on. I appreciate it taking the time. You get me when I'm fresh, so this might be a smart move by you. That's perfect. <laughs> Versus later today, I feel bad for maybe Brian Van Haften out of Buena Vista later tonight. <laughs> um, let's talk about this season. 14-4 and four overall. Obviously a loss to St. Norbert uh, a couple games ago. We'll talk about that. But your games, your losses are pretty spread out, um, and, and you've been playing you know, especially well in the conference. Um, this is a team that was 19 and six a year ago, 15 and 10 the year before that. Were a few years to rue from 20 win seasons. You got to be pretty pleased. Yeah, it's um, we lost two really really good seniors last year, and um, but but we've really this this team has has really responded. Um, just terrific team chemistry um, off the court, and they really really feed off each other and play tremendously well together as a team team on the court, and we've been kind of finding ourselves throughout the throughout the season and and uh, because we did lose a 
significant portion of scoring and rebounding and yeah. um um so we've we're the, the returning players, a lot of them have slightly different roles, and and then we're playing a lot of newcomers as well. So it's been kind of a a, a work in progress. But uh, each and every day, um, they come to the practice floor, and they have such uh, such passion, such energy, and and I think um, more importantly, just respect for each other and and uh, respect for what we're trying to do, and and which makes it really really fun, and and uh, which is a, obviously a key to success. Your uh, two, uh, you have three seniors on the squad, and two of them are leading the way. The only ones in double figures, uh, Diamond Boyd is actually almost averaging a double double: fourteen point three points a game and nine point three rebounds a game, shooting nearly fifty percent from the floor, um, and one and top three in the assists category. Uh, and then Sierra is it Biso? Biso. Biso. Uh, thirteen and a half points a game. Uh, she's your your top guard, obviously in assists. Also shoots thirty five percent from beyond the arc, eighty seven percent from the floor. So obviously it's those two seniors when you look at the stat sheet. Um, but there's a freshman who's right behind them, and there's other contributors on this team. Is this a very senior laden or led team, or is this a deep team in terms of of underclassmen as well? Well, we play. We we use a ten-player rotation. So while our seniors statistically um, stand out, we're getting a lot of contributions from from a lot of players and in, in a lot of different different areas. And um, and 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 I think as as any coach will tell you, and and anyone that's that's had success um, knows that the the real importance is. Although you you can mention Diamond and Sierra, and and they're terrific, and they've done a great job. Um, we've got another senior, Maddie Reinhardt, who um, scoring-wise doesn't score as much, but um, leadership and work ethic. But you, you look at the players with 11 through 15 or 16 and their roles and the 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 ability to, to accept those roles and uh, to keep the, keep the team cohesive um, is always really, really important. And our players, I think the, the, those teammates do a tremendous job with that. They're just really good people. And and that just helps everyone. Again, the chemistry off the court carries over so strongly on the court. And when you really care and believe in each other and trust in each other and willing to sacrifice for each other, then then really good things can happen. A couple of things that, can, that jump out at me is, one, you're a low-scoring team, about 64.5 points a game, but an even lower-allowing team. You've only allowed about 53 points a game. Um, you, know, you shoot about 38, 39%, which you know is probably about average. And you're being out-rebounded, shockingly enough, by about seven rebounds, six and a half rebounds a game. I mean, there's some of those stats you just kind of look at and go, well, why would they be on top of their conference? There's got to be some little nuance we're missing. Well, I, th- I think there is, and I hope uh, one, one of which is that, that we don't turn it over and we create a lot of turnovers. Yeah, that's true, almost and, two to one. And and so we, I, I think, um, oh, one of our assistants looked it up. I think maybe our SID was maybe I saw it online, but we're like fifth in the nation in in turnover margin, and and um, you know so we're getting we're getting more shots per game, um, and and like you mentioned, we're not shooting a tremendously high percentage, but uh, that gives the other team. Uh, defensive rebounds as well so so the the rebounding is maybe a little misleading but but it probably is one of our weak points as well but but uh, certainly one of our strengths is we generate we generate a lot of turnovers and we don't give up easy baskets and um you know and if if you can do that if you don't give up easy baskets and you take care of the ball then 
then uh, even when you don't shoot it well, you're going to be in games. And, and as we found, when we do shoot it well, then, then we're really tough to, to, uh, to beat. A couple of your losses have been significant ones. Uh, Wartburg beat you at the beginning of the season by 18. St. Norbert beat you just last week um, by 23. Is that just a, a circumstance of the game was out of hand and, and you couldn't really control it and the score got that way? Or is that a circumstance of just a bad day or even better, maybe those teams just really had your number that day? Well, it, you know, you that's that's uh, that's athletics, right? That, yeah. Uh, you know that that uh, on any given day, and certainly the Warburg game, and and they've got a really good team, but but we were literally, um, you know, we we were just it's the first game of the year. We had new faces yeah. and and uh, returning faces in 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 new places, and and then our our leading scorer Diamond Boyd is just coming off of a volley a very successful volleyball season, so we're really I mean. Where we're at today, compared to when when we played them on that day, uh, we're two we're totally different team. And um, and then the other day when we got beat at St. Norbert, um, we had um, we just didn't shoot it well. I mean, I think the fourth quarter we got outscored twenty to twenty to five, and it was just one of those one of those days where you know you're on the road and um, and they played at a high level, and and uh, we just didn't we just didn't hit shots. The interesting thing about, you know, we now look at this conference race and you've got a, a pretty, well, let's say comfortable lead, two games on St. Norbert and Ripon, but again, you have that loss to St. Norbert. The advantage is you've played both teams. You're done with both of them and you went 2-0 and against Ripon and 1-1 and against St. Norbert. So, you know, barring a meltdown in the last five, this looks like it's going to be your conference's regular season to take. But at the same time, it looks really competitive at the top this year. Um, again, you're 12 and one. St. Norbert and Ripon are 10 and three. Knox is nine and four. Um, it almost feels like the conference championship tournament is going to be a must-watch. Oh, I think it's there's there's a lot of parity, and and um, I, I give our our team a lot of credit because I think one of the reasons why we're 12 and one is is um, you know we just haven't we we've showed up every game and. Um, and whereas some games you might we might shoot better and 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 then other games um, just energy energy wise and I think focus wise that game in and game out um, we've shown up and you know you, you we haven't had the bad loss um, we've we've pulled out those games and 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 um, so again that that's that's a credit to our our team and and uh, the culture that we've established and just the the work ethic and and kind of who we are um, but you're right I mean. There, there are four or five, six, seven teams in there that, uh, on any given Saturday, can beat you, and um, and so it, it should be a really exciting race to see who makes the conference tournament for one, and then to uh, then once you're in the conference tournament, you know you're going to have four really competitive uh, teams going head to head. The kicker to this whole thing is you've been to the conference tournament three of the last four years, obviously trying to make it four out of five, and you've gotten, I believe, to the conference championship most of those times. Last year, unfortunately, lost to St. Norbert. year before, same story, uh, lost to St. Norbert. The year before that, um, lost to Monmouth. What was that in the semis, I think? Um, and the yeah. year before that, back to 2013, you at least got past everybody, got to the NCAA tournament, and, and gave St. Thomas one heck of a game uh, in the second round of the tournament. 
if do you feel like you, you got to kind of get over a hump here? It's been a little while since you've been able to prove um, that that you're NCA worthy, of, for lack of a better description. Oh, not at all. I mean, we've we've had a we've had a tremendous run, and and last year we we had a shot at the buzzer to beat St. Norbert at their place, and and they had a tremendous team, and you know we just didn't uh, just didn't go, but. Um, each day is a new day. Each year is a new year, and and uh, we're just really excited where we're at, and and uh, feel really blessed to be in a position where we're going down the stretch and and uh, competitive for a conference tournament, and um, really excited for the for the challenge. Uh, you've got Knox, Monmouth, Lake Forest, Beloit, and Monmouth on, on the road. Interestingly enough, two games against Monmouth is are any of those weather delays, or is just the schedule kind of push Monmouth to the end of your schedule? Just, just, just the way the schedule panned out this year, I guess. <laughs> That's interesting. Um, granted, probably not as crazy as Montclair's back-to-backs with Scranton or uh, with uh, Stockton, but you know, two at home. So you'll finish the next two at home, and then you're on the road to finish with three. How do you keep the team focused on the task at hand, considering it looks like the conference number one seed is coming through you, and you know you've got a comfortable, relatively comfortable lead, but obviously these five games could change it all. Yeah. Well, that's that's a really good question, and hopefully, it's our daily message that we've been t- talking since uh, you know the seniors arrived here um, four years ago, and and um, and they'll do a really good job with that, and they've done a really good job with it. And and if you'd watch our team each and every day, the way they come out and practice, and with the energy and the the enthusiasm and the communication, and and um, I don't think it's going to be really very difficult to 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 keep us focused because it's really kind of who we are and, and what we do. So I've been tremendously proud of our team, not just this year, but the the last uh, six, seven years, I think we've just really laid that foundation. And, and um, so I, I would be r- really shocked and, and it, it won't happen that we don't, uh, we don't come out and, and, and play during one of those games. Now we may not come out and shoot it, you know, which is always, which is always <laughs> a chance, but, but, but we'll, We'll show up and and um, we'll play with a lot of energy and a lot of effort. I do know that, yeah. and um, you know, and then who knows? Whatever whatever happens, happens. But uh, but um, uh, our 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 kids will, you know, they they they'll they'll be pretty focused every game. Pretty interesting turnaround for this program. You know, you look back at the history. You guys were in the IAC for a long time. Um, and at the beginning of the 2012-13 season, you moved into the Midwest Conference, and that's kind of when this program woke up. That's really when you turned it around. You you went from 10 and 15 to 25 and two in one season. And I realize switching conferences doesn't all of a sudden make you a 25 and two uh, team necessarily. But what has been the biggest difference that you guys either have adjusted to or been able to take advantage of switching from the IAC to the the MWC? Well, if you would, and, and obviously you don't know the history of, of the program or, or um, you know, when we took over here, that um, it, it was really about uh, the first few years was establishing a culture. And, yeah. and then after the first couple of years, um, because when we came in, they were coming off a, a, uh, a winless season. And, um, and then so you want to, you got to establish a culture. And that, that really took two or three years to establish. And once you establish it, doesn't mean that you you automatically win games. Then sure. you have to, then you have to get the type of talent in that can can help you win games. And and uh, so we got the cat the culture established, and then we started to bring in the players that that not only believed in that culture and and lived that culture, uh, but had the talent then to uh, 
to uh, you know to to get some wins. So you know the, you, you change that culture and you, maybe you bring in one or two kids that can really play at a high level each year and four or five years later, then you really have something special. And that's the teams, um, like you mentioned, the 10 and 15 team, we made the, the conference tournament that year. And, and that team and the, the teams the previous two years, two or three years prior to that, um, they were as special off the court um, as these current teams are. And these current teams are, are really special off the court. Um, but the thing is that those teams didn't have quite the talent, and uh, but they helped to pave the pave the foundation because they they really helped to build the culture and hold that culture and give that culture some some real meaning. And then so the kids that came in the following years that that was there there was only one way to go. It was it was the the right way, and and um, so that's really been kind of the the blueprint, so to speak, is that um, um, you know the. We we had really good culture three or four years prior to to winning a lot of games and and um, um, that that those teammates were were awesome. In fact, that's it's a lot more difficult to do it to to stick true to the process and true to your beliefs when you know when you're not winning like we've won recently. And and I give those 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 teammates a lot of a lot of credit back then. Sure, it is tough to turn a program around. Uh, lots of people will tell you that, and obviously you have done well to do it, and congratulations on the season. Completely random point, uh, I know you travel with the men's team. You may get a chance to see Ty Saban uh, from Ripon, leading scorer in the nation outside of uh, leading scorer, period, which is considering amazing Grinnell uh, usually has that title. Have you got a chance to see Ty Saban play? Yeah, many, many times. I've got a picture of my two boys, one's seventh grade and one's in fifth grade, and we were up in ripping a couple years ago and and uh my boys were shooting around i'm not sure if it was before the game or between games or whatever and then after the game the boys wanted to get a picture with them so we got a got a picture then they were probably third and fifth grade then so they got a picture with ty but uh yeah for those people that haven't seen him he's truly truly amazing um really really a special talent and uh it just shows the competitiveness not only of the league but of of division three because um that guy could play in a lot of places um, in the country, and and to have him in our league and at D three, um, it's really it's really neat, and he's really special to special player and 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 special to watch. Almost want to just stay, uh, you know, make sure you're on the same bus as the men's team, so you get to watch him no matter what. Uh, well, I, yeah. So the men's team men doesn't not, want to play. Our men not, may not feel that right, way, exactly. But, but I enjoy watching them. <laughs> yeah, that's when you sit there going, uh, um, "That that guy's good, isn't?" Oh, you don't want to talk about it. Okay, I'll I'll go yeah. over here. <laughs> hey, coach, thanks so much for for taking the time to join us. Really appreciate it. Great season, obviously, with five games left. Um, you're controlling the conference at this point. Would love to see this stuff or see the tournament go through the multi-sports center. Uh, it would be fun to see you guys get back to the NCAA tournament as well. As always, we give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuning in? Well, thanks, Dave, and I appreciate you having me on, and thanks for what you do for um, for Division Three basketball, and, and uh, um, thanks for your time and, and efforts. Well, thank you, Coach. I appreciate it. Like I said, good luck the rest of the season. We'll look forward to talking to you down the road. Okay. Thank you. Have a great day. You too. Cornell's uh, men's basketball coach, uh, Brent Bruzzi, joining us here on the show. Again, uh, they are 14-4, uh, and 12-1 and one in the conference with five games left, and they've already played the two teams behind them and have a two-game lead. So most likely things will go through them for the conference tournament. 
Looking forward to maybe seeing the Rams back in the NCAA tournament. We shall see. We'll take another break. When we come back, as we are fully underway here, we will uh, switch out to the East region, talk to William Smith head coach Lindsey Sharman, and then we'll get an East regional report from J.C. to last. But first, Lindsey will tell us about the Herons and how they're doing so well in the Empire 8 and plenty more. You'll listen to Hoops Hope presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC studios. Don't forget about the Hoops Hope fundraiser. We've gotten a couple contributions this morning, and I thank you for that. One would love to hit half the goal today. Get that under the way and focus on the other half of the goal in the next few weeks. If you can help us do that, we would be much appreciated. We're going to take a break. When we come back, East Region Basketball with Lindsey Sharman from William Smith. You listen to Hoops. We'll back with more after this. I used to never really talk. Ever. I was afraid if I said something wrong, everyone would laugh at me. But then I started to play golf with Special Olympics. It helped me to find my voice. And now everyone else is speechless. This is why we love sports. It's in the way they play, free from the pressures and all the money talk. Playing for simply the love of the game, where everyone has a shot at their definition of success on and off the field. This is what we love about sports and what we can still love about college sports. We've got more schools than Division I, more fans than Division II, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division III basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. We are calling you, all of you. We are calling all Division III schools to join our cause. It's on us to start the change. It's on us to be the change. It's on us. It's on Division Three. It's on all of us to stop sexual assault. Welcome back to Hoops Hill, everybody. Hope you're enjoying the show. We are early on in this 12-hour marathon. We are pacing ourselves. Let's just say we're pacing ourselves. Got lots to talk about. Guest list is on our show page. Far too complicated to go through. We do have a slight change coming up in an hour, though. Dina Applebury of Mary Washington will join us before Bill Nelson of Johns Hopkins. It's the only change. We'll try and make a change in the background at some point in time, but we'll get to that. If you've got questions for us, email us for the Hoopsville Mailbag segment throughout the show. Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. Or you can tweet us at D3Hoopsville and hashtag Hoopsville. we got the... Uh, uh, I said Empire 8, didn't I, Deb? Yep, I said Empire 8, and I meant Liberty League. This is what happens when you put your sheet together late at night and you're just flying by the seat of your pants. I had mentioned that Cornell was in the 
West region when they're in the central region. It's uh, it's it's one of those things. I apologize. To, uh, I, of course, know they're in the Liberty. But to be honest with you, the Liberty, the Empire 8 have been trading teams or at least somewhat uh, as as one one of those conferences is trying to save its football AQ. But we won't go into that on the Hoopsville show. So I got a little confused. But William Smith, uh, head coach Lindsay Sharman is on the Hoopsville hotline. Her team certainly playing well this season. Uh, as we take a look at what they're up to, and she joins us live on the City of Salem Hoopsville Hotline. Coach, uh, welcome. For a moment there, I think your AD sweated it out. I may have actually moved William Smith and Hobart into the Empire 8 without anybody knowing. Hey, (laughs) it's easy to do these days. I know, that's what I'm saying. I'm so used to the, you know, maybe that's the move. You know, Ithaca can do it. Why can't anybody else? Um, hey, 15 and four overall, nine and one in the conference. You've got a scant game lead on Skidmore here, but you're still 15 and four for a team that was 10 and 14 last year, four and 20 the year before. You're playing with house money at this point. <laughs> well, you know, it's about time. You know, we've mm. been uh, we've been waiting we've been waiting for this time. Mm-hmm. So we've been we've been building towards it for a while, but. Um, yeah, I'm really proud. I'm proud of this group, and I'm proud of their resilience over the last few years. And you know, so it's definitely it's their time for sure. Of course, lost two out of the first three. Speaking of Ithaca, uh, they were one of those losses. Rochester tripped you up yeah. in Ithaca. You know, that's the kind of start that you know anybody can sit there and look you know look at it at the time. And go, uh-oh, uh, this isn't yeah. how we wanted. Granted, Rochester's good, Ithaca's good, and you were in those games. You beat Cortland in between. How did you how did you mentally keep the team focused uh, coming out of that? Well, I think, you know, I think it is for for other teams that could be hard. I think, you know, thinking about being one and two right off the bat. Um, but I think, you know, we've we continually play tough schedules year to year to year. So I think our team has come It's part of our culture now. And I think they expect to play tough teams early and they know that um, we might take a couple bumps early on, but I think they, they believe in the, um, the experience that that provides and, and how it helps us get ready for league play. And I think they really do truly believe in it, which is kind of shown this year and their ability to bounce back and, um, and to really learn from those losses early. Yeah. And, and then the other loss you took uh, midway through the season down in Fort Lauderdale, Florida was against yeah. a really good Wartburg squad, which interesting enough has been the uh, culprit for the first two guests of the show. Uh, granted, yeah. they beat you by 30, um, sure. but you also might have been enjoying the sun and, and beach of Fort Lauderdale. I can I can, can understand that to some degree. Um, but you bounced back from that. Granted, with a few weeks off, you came back and beat Hamilton uh, your first game out of the break. Um, what have these losses been able to at least teach your team at this point um, in the season as you get ready for St. Lawrence and Clarkson and, and the final push here? Well, I think the fact that we have been able to bounce back in each one, you know, and we've really been able to kind of turn some of the, like I said, the experiences into positives and, and kind of find out where our weaknesses are and really focus on them and work on them. And, you know, that's, uh, you know, that's a credit to our team. I think they really come ready to work, especially when, when we play a tight game or when we get a loss, you know, they bounce back, ready to go, ready to learn, ready to kind of make improvements. Um, and I think, you know, we kind of had some bumps and bruises with injuries off and on. And I think, again, that's another part of our resiliency to really bounce back and to kind of see what some of our younger players could do and how they've stepped up um, and handled the challenge has been really fun to watch. 
Granted, RIT said thank you very much. Beat you seventy-one fifty-nine a few games ago. Yeah, that one I probably wouldn't have necessarily seen on the radar. If you would have taken uh-huh. a loss in conference, it probably would have been a skid more in my mind. What, what happened in that one? Um, you know, I think it was. You know, I think they RIT came on strong. You know, they they have everyone back from yeah. their team that finished second last year. So I've I've been kind of waiting for them to to, to agree to. <laughs> To kind of um, figure it all out, I knew they would figure it all out, and it was a little bit of a per- perfect storm. You know, I don't think it was our greatest um, performance either, but I think they had a lot to do with it. And um, you know, I think again, you know, it was just one of those games where it seemed like a little bit of a perfect storm. But I, you know, again, I'm proud of the way they bounced back, and you know, and were able to kind of come on last weekend. Um, you've got a large basketball team, uh, lots of yeah. numbers <laughs> on yeah. this squad. Yeah. And you've got, what, six seniors? Yeah. Um, I would list them all, but we'd be here a while. Um, <laughs> you, you certainly got plenty of depth if you need it. How It seems like you're using it, uh, at least statistically. Yep. You've almost, it seems like you used everybody. How key has that been in this season, the depth? Oh, I, you know, I think especially when you play games back-to-back, um, you know, I think depth is, is a big is a big part of being successful, you know, being able to have fresh legs in that, you know, fourth quarter on day two um, and being able to also, you know, somebody gets in foul trouble to be able to, um, you know, grab someone else and have them go in and not really lose a beat. Um, You know, I just, I think at the end of the day that the teams that really ultimately win the championships are the teams that have some depth and have a lot of versatility. Um, and we have, you know, our, our players all have different strengths. So in certain games, there's certain players we go to more and vice versa, but um, it's, you know, it's been great to see them really embrace their roles. You know, we have players that would play maybe 40 minutes on another team and they're playing 25 minutes and they've really, they've, they've embraced that and they understand that um, as a team that helps us um, when we can play more people. Um, so, you know, I, I think they've done a great job with that. Um, at the same time, you got these six seniors, and we'll go through the individuals in a minute, but mm-hmm. is there almost a sense of you got to do it now? If you've got this kind of record, you're leading the conference, this is the opportunity to, to take advantage of? You can't let this one slip past? I don't know if they look at it that way. I mean, certainly our, the leadership within the group has been a huge um, a huge plus for us this year. And that's really shown um, in our team culture and the chemistry and the morale. Um, and so I think that's where they're making a really big mark, but I don't think, I don't know that they look at it as a pressure situation. I just think that they've, um, they've built a lot of confidence over the last few years. We've had all sorts of experiences between their freshman year when we had a, a fairly good year. And then, you know, we had a couple ups and downs along the way. Um, and I just, you know, I just think, like I said, I think they've built this confidence and I think it's just, they're ready, you know, they're ready to kind of take it to the next level. And, um, but I don't think they look at it as a, it's got to happen now. I think they're just enjoying it and, and, um, doing a great job leading the team. Um, talking to Lindsay Sharman, the head coach of the William Smith, uh, basketball team, uh, have a one game lead on Skidmore in the conference. Uh, coach, I said, we talk about the individuals you're led by, uh, Melanie pa- uh, Patterson, 14.2 points a game, three and a half rebounds a game, shoots 42% from the floor, 31% from beyond the arc, hands out, no, just three and a half assists a game, uh, <laughs> and two steals a game. Uh, Mia Morrison, 14 points a game. Na- uh, Natalia Baum, 11 points a game. We should mention Morrison's a team, or I should say, Morrison's second on the team in rebounding at 6.8. It's uh, Gabrielle, is it your? Yes, your. Awesome, yep. thank good. Uh, eight rebounds a game and eight points a game. 
you got a lot of players doing a lot of different things, it feels like. Um, you know, it's I think it's rare to not see someone in the top two who's not also one of your leading rebounders. That's the fourth leading score. Um, your leading assist person is actually your leading score. It's a little bit different than you t- typically see when just reading a box score. Yeah, no, I think, and again, I think it just gets back to the balance on our team, and it, it just it makes us hard um, in a lot of ways. It makes them, you know, hard to defend because, you know, we have different players that are doing different um, great things and stepping up and playing the role to their best of their ability. So, you know, I think that's, again, one of the reasons where, you know, why the team is where they are right now. When you look at the season, obviously ahead, and there's not much to look at, uh, you've got six games, St. Lawrence, Clarkson, Skidmore, RPI, RIT, and Union. I've, I, I, obviously, you got to take care of home, You got and it's split evenly, three home, three away. You certainly yeah. have a big game against Skidmore because you want to stay ahead of them. You get into a tie, and you've got a split. This gets, this gets muddy. Um, and RIT is lurking for the return engagement. <laughs> Yeah. I know you're not looking past St. Lawrence. I'm going to hear that all day. No. Uh, no, no. <laughs> I'm going to hear all that. I'm going to hear that all day. I know. <laughs> but I look past St. Lawrence. How important is this stretch run and and is the key to keep the players rested and mind clear or is the key trying to focus on just game to game or is there a point of saying listen, you have to understand the dynamics here? Um I definitely think it's game to game. I mean, I think we, we really, we really try to emphasize um, the process and not the outcomes all year long. Um, you know, all of our goals are very process oriented instead of outcome. You know, we really, we truly believe like if we take care of the things that we're good at day to day, that the outcome will take care of itself. So I think, you know, we're definitely, the emphasis is game to game, um, you know, and, and every, you know, the Liberty League is really tough. I mean, even our, even though we're nine and one, most games have been very tight and they've been one in the fourth quarter. So, you know, we really can't afford to take a break any, at any stretch. You want to be playing your best basketball in the next few weeks. And so we're really pushing them to try to do that. Talking to Lindsay Sharman here, head coach of William Smith, 15 and four overall, nine and one. Uh, in the Liberty. Uh, at least I was awake when I put the graphics together last night to realize you were in the Liberty. That's good to see. Um, in the meantime, Ken's writing a, a press release as we speak about switching over to the Empire 8. Um, top 25, not much love. Um, top of the conference, though, with regional rankings coming out. Where do you see yourself possibly when it when regional rankings make their appearance on Wednesday? Do you think you're you're one of those teams that can be at the top of the list? I think we've 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 earned something, you know, uh, a listing in there. But you know what? At the end of the day, you know, we just got to take care of business day to day. And you know, I try not to put too much, you know, weight on that. You know, I think um, at the end of the day, we need to be playing to win our conference, and that's really what we want to be doing. And you know, um, I try not to get into all the statistics and the rankings (laughs) and all those things because you know that's way above my pay grade. But, um, <laughs> but, but anyway, so we're really just trying to, we're trying to win the conference and do what we can to do that. And the rest will take care of itself. Um, we should mention, you know, you can look at the record and say, no one's really got the experience. Your seniors, you know, were part of that mm-hmm. squad that went 19 and seven back in 2014, 12 and four yep. in conference play. Unfortunately, the se- season ended in the conference semifinals. Can, yeah. can any, can they kind of lean back on that? Or is this really a, a whole new experience for everybody? 
think they can look at that a little bit. Um, I, you know, I think if anything that we've learned from that, again, it's, it's, it's really focusing on the process. You know, I think it's hard, especially with 16 years, you know, I, what I don't want them doing is focusing on the outcome and worrying about what if, what if, and got to mm. win, got to win. Because I think that's when you start playing tight and you don't start relying on the things you do day to day. So, you know, I think they can look back at that and, and gain some experience. But I do think... Um, you know, they're kind of doing it their way, so to speak, and as each team does. And, you know, I think um, I think it is, a, it is a new team to a degree and a lot of um, differences. And um, But I think they're doing it the right way. Uh, well, Coach, I appreciate you taking the time to join us. It's, it's going to be a fascinating in, uh, finish to the season for you yeah. guys, both in the Liberty and in the Empire 8. I, I don't know how you're balancing that schedule, but I'm pretty impressed. <laughs> Uh, granted, you do play a few Empire 8 teams. A lot teams. of depth, yeah. <laughs> yeah, a lot, lot of depth. Yeah, Split squads, right, like in baseball? You split them up and send one <laughs> right. to one and one to the other. Um, right. Uh, really going to be fascinating to see how this this plays out. Uh, obviously, two big games coming up at home. Uh, Skidmore yep. on the road, then um, RPI on the road, and then that Rochester Tech game at home. I know you guys probably have that circled, whether you're t- admitting it or not. Um, <laughs> I do want to thank you for coming on the show. I look forward to seeing how this finishes out. This is going to be a fun race uh, to watch down the stretch for everybody. Uh, as always, though, we give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuning in? No, just say, and thanks for thanks for putting us on the show. And, you know, I'm really proud of this group, and I'm excited to see where they take it. Very good. Well, thank you so much, right. Coach. Enjoy the weather, too. We always know how the the uh, the, uh, <laughs> the, the lake effect snow. Can, yes, sunny and 70 today, and then, what, two feet of snow tomorrow. That's um, right. That's you never right. know. Thanks again. Absolutely. Take care of yourself. We'll look forward to talking to you down the road. Okay, thanks. Lindsay Sharman joining us here on the City of Salem Hoopsville Hotline. Again, the team is 15-4 uh, and four overall, 9-1 and one in conference. It's, it is going to be interesting how this finishes out. They've got St. Lawrence and Clarkson ahead, both those games at home. St. Lawrence is 7-11. Clarkson's 11-8 and eight and sitting in third three games back. Um, then you've, they're on the road at Skidmore, the team who's behind them by a game, and RPI on the road. And RPI is sitting at 714, 2-10. So they kind of go through these waves. Bottom of the conference, next game, the next two against uh, teams in the middle or top, then back down to the bottom. Then they'll play RIT, the team that beat them and is sitting uh, in the middle again, 13-7, and 6-5. And, and then they'll finish off against Union, and Union is sitting in the middle at 9-8, and 5-4. So it's, it's going to be some... Good tests, some challenge of making sure you don't overlook an opponent in the next six and then into conference play. We'll be fascinated to see how it turns out. Uh, again, William Smith um, having a good season at, at 15 and 4, 9 and 1. Again, regional rankings come out on Wednesday. They have a 517 SOS according to our math as of today. How that plays out with the committee at 15 and 4 is probably a middle of the pack, probably third or fourth in the region. But who knows? Uh, there's there's other factors in play, certainly, and we'll figure those out as we move forward. Thanks to Coach Sharman for joining us. What's this mean for the rest of the East region? How is the East region going to break down on the men's and women's side? There's some interesting things going on in the East region, and it's hard sometimes to grasp it. We talked to Rochester's men's coach last week. He certainly gave his opinions, and I've heard opinions from others. We'll hear opinions from others, but I love hearing from those who maybe have a more general sense of things. J.C. DeLass has that. When we come back, we'll talk to the voice of the Rochester Yellow Jackets about what he thinks is going on up in the East region and who the best teams are and maybe who's the ones to watch out for. 
We'll talk to him coming up here on the Hoopsville Marathon. You're listening to Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC studios. Don't forget about our fundraiser, and don't forget to interact with us. And information is scrolling at the bottom of the screen, granted not during the commercial break, but when we come back, you can catch up on it. You're listening to Hoopsville, back with more of the marathon after this. College basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. The College Basketball Experience is the place to get your game on. It's not a museum, it's an experience you won't forget. Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame, featuring the Gallery of Honor, Mentor's Circle, and Honor Theater. Suit up in the latest CBE logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. Elevate your game today and visit the house that college basketball built. It starts right when you hit the court. You imagine your finest moment. The game-winning shot that gets you to the dance. A monster dunk or no-look pass. And cutting down the net. Sports lets us dream of our own success. And prepare us for our finest moments on and off the court. I'm a current Division III student-athlete, and I remember how intimidating the first year of college can be. So if you're a first-year student-athlete and nervous about coming out as LGBTQ, I pledge to stand by your side as your ally. If you can play, you can play Division III. We are Division III student-athletes, and you can be too. If you can play, you can play in Division III. I did receive a non-athletic scholarship upon entering uh, school. I got the Presidential Scholarship, which was huge for me. I think there's more opportunities for academic scholarships in Division III. I did receive academic scholarships. Just being involved on campus, being a leader, all those things combined kind of get me recognized. It's a great experience for me. Welcome back to the Hoopsville Marathon, folks. Hope you're enjoying the craziness that is the marathon. If you got any questions for us, tweet us, as I am doing so right now. I'm not tweeting me, but I'm tweeting. Tweet us, at D3Hoops, or our hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. Any of those emails that come in with questions, we'll try and answer throughout the show. Trying to do a lot of balancing here, so if we miss something, we do apologize. So, again, tweet us, at D3Hoopsville, or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. We're simulcasting on Facebook. You can certainly try and interact with us there, facebook.com slash Hoopsville. And um, we're on Instagram, though. We're not using it much today because it's more of a promotional thing, and really we didn't have time to promote a whole marathon here. Usually we send out each a picture of each guest. We're not sending out that many pictures. One story we haven't talked about, I know uh, was talked about on Sunday. I know someone on Facebook asked us about it, was the FDU Florham women's basketball segment. We will talk about that later in the show, to be sure. We may talk about it several times. We just haven't had time as of yet. So uh, keep that one in mind, FDU men, women's coach Mark Mitchell. So far suspended indefinitely pending an investigation into his conduct. Um, all right, so we just got done talking to Lindsey Sharman, uh, William Smith head coach, um, obviously having a really good season in a very interesting race in the Liberty. But that's not the only races that are interesting, and there's certainly a lot more going on. Who knows it best? Well, the man who calls a lot of basketball up in that area, J.C. DeLast, joins us on the City of Salem Hoopsville Hotline. J.C., good to talk to you, sir. Dave, always.
always great to talk to you, and I apologize ahead of time. The uh, the voice is a little bit uh, Barry Whitish today, but uh, we'll 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 try and get through some. You know, it's a, it's the broadcaster's dream, right? You get to February and suddenly a cold hits you right in the throat. What are oh, you going to yeah. do? Exactly. <laughs> Not to mention the fact that now you got that sexy voiceover voice you can go use. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, I'll, I'll run that by my wife and see what she thinks. Yeah, I don't, yeah. I don't, I'm not sure I'm going to have much luck on that one. <laughs> Would you like a used car? I mean, it, it works sometimes. We'll do what we got to do. Exactly. <laughs> hey, uh, let's start on the women's side here just because we obviously got done talking to Lindsay uh, yeah. about that um, Liberty League and, and apparently the Empire 8 that I tried to throw her into. Um, <laughs> the Liberty League, again, they're on top by a game. Clarkson and Vassar tied at 6-4 and four, three games back. They've got the win on Skidmore now, but they got a uh-huh. lost to Rochester Tech, uh, who's in the middle of the pack. Yeah. William Smith's got six left, and they don't have any easy ones. You know, they've got, or they should, they have a couple, but they got Skidmore still ahead. They've got Rochester Tech still ahead. They got Union Head. This conference is fascinating. This is this is a bit more of a battle than maybe I anticipated, or am I completely underselling this conference at the start of the season? Well, I think you talked to the right coach, too. Lindsay's done a terrific job with that program, and uh, she had a bunch of freshmen last year, and now those kids are, are one year older, uh, one year wiser. I saw them... In November, they they opened up the season against the U of R, and of course, uh, University of Rochester, uh, a very good team this year, and mm-hmm. they kind of uh, ran through them a, a little bit because I don't think those kids were quite ready. It's an entirely different team right now, and, and all credit to Lindsay and and some of those young kids again who are now sophomores, and the fact that she's on top of that conference caught me a little bit by surprise. But then again, I I go through her roster; she has a ton of talent. Uh, you mentioned she's got a, a tough finishing schedule. Uh, I, I look at Skidmore as a team that, that's certainly going to challenge. Uh, there's a terrific coach there at Clarkson, too. I, I know they'll be up there. Uh, you mentioned RIT. You know, they hit kind of a lull uh, about a month ago. They, they kind of hit a, a bad patch, and uh, they've lost some, some close games. They haven't really finished. I, I wonder if the Tigers might not play a spoiler role here down the line with the teams that they have left on their schedule and as they try to push to get into the top four. Hmm. You know, keep an eye on that RIT team. Again, they've got a ton of talent, too, and Amy Reed does a great job there. So I'd watch them as if they don't make it to the top four, they very well may have a, a big say in who wins that conference. Well, they already have the win, obviously, over William Smith at 13-7, and 6-5 and five in the conference. You're right. They certainly have a more fascinating position sitting down there. Um, yeah, that's going to be fa- – I'm interested to see how that turns out. Yeah. Um, on the women, uh, let's go to Empire 8, if you don't mind. Stevens, who sure. had a – I wouldn't call it a horrific start to the season. They they struggled to win coming out, but they were playing a who's who of teams. Yeah. Lost their first five, losing to NYU, Stevenson, Montclair State, Haverford, and DeSales. No slouches, any of them, all in the conversation when it's going to come to the NCAA. They finally got a win when they went to the NCA or went to the D3Hoops.com Classic in um, Vegas and beat Eau Claire and then lost to Lewis and Clark. Again, all good teams here. Um, it's when they came back from break, it's when they righted the ship, as it were. They've lost two since, one of them to Penn. We're not going to fault them for that. Yeah. This team looks scarily dangerous, despite the fact I thought Ithaca was going to be the team to win this one. Well, you know, Stevens brought back a, a, quite a few girls from last year's team that, that made a nice run into the NCAA tournament. I had the, a chance to see them. Uh, they were in the, the same bracket with the U of R up there at Amherst yeah. in the NCAA tournament. And I know they graduated one girl from that team, but they brought back 
talent. I was a little surprised they got off to such a slow start, but but like you said, Dave, you look at the, the quality of teams they played, and remember when they played NYU, that's when NYU had all of their top guns. That team's been decimated. They oh, lost yeah. two starters. I mean, Caitlin Reed is one of the best players in the UAA, and she's down and probably out for the season. Wow. They lost a terrific freshman point guard. Uh, she's done for the rest of the year with a knee injury for sure. So, you know, for for Stevens to play the, the level of competition they did earlier in the year, you know, that's why their overall record at 10-8 and eight doesn't look all that great. But, hey, 9-1 and one in the Empire 8 is no joke. No. Ithaca, I've seen, I saw them in December. They went into the Palestra, which you love that building. Yeah, that's I do. a tough place to play for visitors. Hey, Ithaca left there with a win, and they were down going into the fourth quarter. And they beat the U of R uh, again when when the Yellow Jackets were playing pretty pretty good ball. So uh, you know I like Ithaca. They've got some experience. Uh, Dan Raymond again, an outstanding coach. You know Hartwick has kind of made some noise there too. And then you look at St. John Fisher probably will will round out the top four. But to me that's a two team race going. And, and I don't want to take anything away from Hartwick or Fisher because upsets happen all the time. But I really think it's going to be one of the two, Ithaca or Stevens, that comes out of the Empire Eight this year. Yeah, it's that one's a fascinating race. Uh, we talked to Stevens' head coach at at the D three Hoops dot com Classic, though she had no voice, so we're gonna have to make up for that and talk to her sometime down the road, as as, <laughs> as it may have been hard to understand. But she had a lot of confidence in that team, uh, and I'm I'm looking forward to seeing how that turns out. Uh, jumping over to the the uh, Suniac, and obviously the story of not only the conference but maybe the region yeah. is Geneseo women, um, twenty and O. 13 and 0, which is downright amazing is enough. But if you aren't aware of what they went through in 11 months, yep. uh, the, the the stabbing death of a teammate, and then the the uh, uh, car accident kill killing of a teammate, how this team is 20 and 0, I don't want to say baffles me because you never know about the human spirit. But it is yeah. truly amazing. Yeah. And, and great article written uh, this week around the around the region about this team, and and Scott's been on the show a few times, and I, I credit him for that. Nothing against the rest of this conference, but I I have only been focusing on Geneseo. Well, and, and I'm glad you referenced that article on D3Hoops.com because it was just very well done, really captured. I I think the spirit. I've done a bunch of Geneseo games this year. I've been around those kids. Of course, uh, been around Coach Scott Hemmer a bunch. As you mentioned, Scott is very gracious, uh, always willing to talk about a very difficult situation. I'll tell you what, what that guy and what that team Mm. has gone through in less than a year is unthinkable. Uh, No other program, I think, has ever gone through something like that, Uh, you know, unexpected deaths of teammates. And here they are, undefeated. They're 20 and 0. I think it's the second best start they've ever had in school history. And, And, Dave, look at this roster. They start five seniors. There's a lot to be said for that, especially I don't care what level of basketball, but especially Division Three. When you put five seniors on the floor, uh, that that's impact stuff. But but also you go a little deeper in the numbers. There's not any one or two kids that's really carrying them. I mean, they're they're all averaging around that you know that 10 or 11 point level. They got a kid playing point guard who's really not a point guard. She's more of a two or even could play some three, as she has in the past. You know, they just play really well together, and you watch them. They don't score a ton. They're going to be somewhere in the 60s almost every game. And, on, again, on paper, you look at that and say, well, how are they winning? Boy, yeah. Defensively, Dave, defensively, they get after it. 
about as good as any team I've ever seen. And again, it's the collective. It's the five. They got a couple of younger kids they bring in off the bench uh, that help them out. But those five seniors, they played together now four years defensively. They know where they're supposed to be. They know where their teammates are supposed to be. And I think that also works at the offensive end of the floor, too, because they don't rely on any one or two kid to, to pop for 20 or 22. They win games with everybody scoring around 8, 10, or 12, and they just wear you down at the defensive end. Scott Hemmer's done a terrific job. Man, I'll tell you what, watch this team, not just in the SUNYAC, but you watch when they get to the NCAA tournament, and they're very likely, I would think, it's good, they're, they're in line right now anyway to be hosting. You get them on their home floor. This team can make a lot of noise. They're probably the best team right now in the East region. Hey, they're undefeated. you got to give them their due, yeah. and, and they've earned it. And, and they've done it through so many emotional roller coasters. Yep. It's not even funny. Uh, you can date it back to Leah Selvarowski's story and, and the senior who was there last year because she redshirted a year, and so she's part of this entire mix. Of course, Leah's first the season that her story started to become uh, national news is the year they went or, no, I'm sorry, the year that she actually was diagnosed with Wilson's disease is the year they won 20 games the first time, and it's just been a tear since. You've seen the team, and I don't want to belabor the point, but you've seen the team in action. How are they able to – I mean, how do they look emotionally, I guess is the easiest way to ask the question. You know what? That, that's the interesting thing, too, Dave, is, is I don't want to say, you know, they don't look like any of this has affected them. Cause, right. Because, of course, it has. Sure. Of course. But – for a team to go through what they've gone through and to be as emotionally stable as they appear to be, and I've talked to a bunch of the kids too, uh, whether it's post-game interviews or even before the games, you know, I might kind of chit-chat with them while they're going through their shoot-around. Man, that is the most level group of college-age kids that I have ever been around, and it's all credit to Scott Hemmer and the fact that he brought all these kids in, and they just, Dave, you've been around this a long time just like me, and and team chemistry is so fragile, and they have got it all day long. That wow. group, they love each other, they respect each other, they trust each other, uh, both on the floor and off. It is a rare thing. I mean, I think people like you and me, we sometimes blow by it or overstate it or, yeah. or whatever. But, man, I'll tell you what, that group is special. And, and that's why I say, regardless of how far they go in basketball, Man, watch what these kids do after they graduate because they have gone through stuff that nobody has ever had to go through, and hopefully nobody ever will. And, again, all credit to Coach Hemmer and his staff and and what they've done with these kids too. Yeah, absolutely agree with you. Amazing story. Um, If people have the chance, uh, please pay attention to them and root them on, to say the least. Yeah. Um, It is a – man. And And you can't count them out at this point. No way. Um, again, catch up with the Around the Region story. Wonderfully done. Of course, Scott Hammer's been on my show a few times. Go check out those interviews as well. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if the story starts to make a little bit of national headlines, too, but we'll move on. Um, let's jump from uh, women to men. We'll stick in the SUNYAC. I swear, we'll have Jason Leon later on in the show. But And I've given Jason a hard time before about this. He tells <laughs> me in the offseason we got a good team. They're going to be great. And, of course, last year they make it um, – I think to the – do they get all the way to the Elite Eight and lose to Christopher Newport? Uh, or I, I thought it was the Sweet, sweet 16. 16. Yeah, Sweet 16, yeah. yeah. The they hosted it, um, and right. I got a chance to see them in the, in the round of 32. Um, really good team. And they came out of the blocks once again. It seems like it's an Oswego thing, uh, as if they forgot <laughs> the season had started. And now they have 
kind of opened up the, the floodgates, and they yep. have topped who was thought to be the best team in the region, Brockport, who's now 15-5. and five. Uh, Brockport's 10-3 and three in the conference. Oswego's 11-1. and one. Uh, The Suniac's always fun to watch because Suny, Oyanta are 8-4, and four, and Buffalo State and Geneseo are 7-6. and six. But Oswego, once again, is playing the, the, the season of two halves. Yep, and, and they have who I think is the best player – uh, certainly in the SUNYAC conference, and one of the best in the region, Brian Sortino. Yeah. And yeah. he's a local kid, too. You're from the Rochester yep. area, from, from Fairport High School, man. That, that, I don't want to say he's carrying him because he's not. There's a ton of other talent on that team. And, you know, you mentioned you're going to be talking to, to Coach Leon later on, and he, he's a great dude. Uh, love Jason. I just think he's done yeah. wonderful things there. But but I want you to circle a date, Dave. Okay. I want you to keep an eye on a date, all right? Yep. February 18th. The last day the last, of the regular season. Yeah. Oh, Brockport. As we go, Brockport. At now, Brockport. That, that's at Brockport. The the first time around, As we go, got them on yep. their home floor. I think this conference goes down to that game. Winner of that game getting getting the one seed. And again, it'll be on Brockport's home floor because, you know, Brockport's one of those teams. Here we are. We flip the calendar to February, and I don't care what happens. Every year, Greg Dunn at Brockport. November, December, they kind of try and figure things out. They start getting a little bit going in January. Man, that is the last team I want to play in February every single That's season. That's true. They, That's true. They are so tough coming yeah. down the stretch. They finally figure it out. Their pressure just wears you down for 40 minutes. You know, I, I think Oswego, Brockport are going to be 1-2 in, in some formation. And you mentioned there's quite a log jam. I mean, you you got to get in the top six there to make it to the SUNYAC tournament. And yeah. Geneseo, who I've seen a bunch of times this year, uh, have has probably the two most prolific scorers in the conference, Justin Ringan and John Decker, but they just not getting enough stops. Hey, they're on the borderlines to whether they get in or not. And, you know, watch out for this Cortland team. All of a sudden, Cortland's won a couple yeah. games here, too. So, the, so they're in. I think the SUNYAC men, it's going to be very interesting not only who finishes first and second, but, you know, the way things shake out to get into that top six. You know, there's going to be some big games coming up here down the stretch these next couple of weeks. I think it'll be very entertaining to see what happens. Yeah, uh, Suniac race always is interesting. The only problem is, they, it's kind of like the NJAC and others, they beat each other up so much that the extra bid sometimes is tough to get out of there. But Brockport and yeah. Oswego may be the best bet at it. Um, yes, February 18th. It has been noted and circled. Um, <laughs> quickly, let's go through the other two because I want to get to your thoughts on the yep. UAA before we lose you. Empire 8, yep. um, this is kind of a three-horse race at this point. St. John Fisher at 9-1, and one, their one loss. I uh, can't remember who that came to. Uh, Stevens, uh, and I should say they're 14-5 and five overall. Stevens 14-4, and 8-2. and two. Nazareth 13-6, 7-3. It's pretty much those three. Um, yes, Utica's at 5-4, and four, but they're 5-13, and 13, amazingly enough, overall. Hartwick's 5-5 five and 12-7. Five and 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 Hartwick's a great story, but it's really the top three. Yeah, I agree. And I think Rob Corniker's done a nice job with that St. John Fisher team this year. Keegan Ryan, uh, on a preseason All-American, big guy in the middle. You know, watch out for Nazareth. They've won yeah. five in a row. All of a sudden, yep. they're clicking. Kevin Broderick's got them playing well. Um, that was the one loss, by the way, that you were referring to for Fisher. Thank they you. lost at Nazareth, uh, which is always a tough place to play. So those two are going to have a rematch coming up here soon. Oh, only it'll be on Fisher's home floor. Uh, I agree. I think it'll be one of those three. I look for Fisher to prevail, but, again, I'm, I'm kind of keeping an eye on Nazareth. I've seen them a couple of times this year, too. They've got some shooters. Uh, Coach Broderick really does a nice job of getting them committed at the defensive end. 
Uh, they, oh, the Fisher Nazareth, th- those guys, they have at least one more matchup. Not going to surprise me. We might see them going head-to-head uh, twice more before we're done this season. Uh, fair point. Uh, very fair point. Uh, let's go over to the Liberty League. St. Lawrence and Skidmore now tied at 9-1 and one at top of the conference. St. Lawrence is 16-3 and three and 14-5 and five for Skidmore. Skidmore has a win, a pretty surprisingly dominating win, over SLU, uh, and they'll have that rematch to, uh, coming up. Hobart is lurking at 6-4 and four with Union at 5-4, and four, but this is a two-horse race, and it's going to probably come down to the, the last matchup between these two teams. If they split, it gets really murky. Well, and Skidmore is a lot like Brockport. I yeah. mean, that's the team you don't want to play in February. Agreed. Last couple of years, that's when they've come on. They've won six in a row. Uh, that's uh, head coach Luke Lukertz's old stomping ground. Yes, there, the it UR is. coach he used to be at Skidmore. <laughs> He's always telling me how great they are. And you know what? He's right. I mean, yeah. they, they, they're on the roll. As you said, they already own the win over St. Lawrence. I, Skidmore's going to be tough to beat, I think, coming down the stretch. Um, Liberty League will be fun to watch on the men's side. Before we let you go, though, I got to talk about the UAA. You betcha. Uh, <laughs> this is nuts. You're about to hit the road with Rochester, who's a game behind on the men's side of Wash U. Wash U is 15 and three. Rochester 17 and one. That one loss being in conference, obviously. Emory's lurking at five and two, 14 and four. Carnegie Mellon's four and three. Chicago's three and four. You've already seen everybody in the conference, and you're about to see them a second time. You lucky dog. Um, <laughs> this men's race is going to be fascinating because I think Rochester and Wash U can get into the tournament. It's a question of whether our Emory, Carnegie Mellon, probably not, Chicago, probably not, can at least do something to rock the boat. I think I think Emory is the wild card in this mix. I mean, they really have to get to 19 or 20 wins. That means they've got to win at least five of their last seven. And here's the trick. I mean, it's a, for the UAs, you know, no conference tournament, the only one left. Right. And uh, it, this is all about schedule coming down. Now, this is the turnaround weekend. Uh, the yep. teams that they played last weekend, they're going to play this weekend, just change the scenery. But here's the problem or the advantage, depending on where you go to school. For the U of R, <laughs> the next four games are on the road, five of the last seven mm. away from home. How about Wash U? If I'm sitting in their camp, yeah. how about the next four games are home, five of their last seven in their building yep. where they play very well. So as much as the U of R is only a game behind Wash U right now in the chase, the Bears have the advantage because of all those home games stockpiled. Going to be tough for the U of R. Hey, they're 17-1. and one. Terrific team. We talked about seniors before at Geneseo. Yep. Seniors for the U of R men's basketball team. You've caught, talked to Coach Luke about it. Now those seniors, Mac Montague, Sambor Smith, Zach Ayers, they have done a terrific job this year. Love the way this one's shaping up. For me as a broadcaster, you love close oh, games. You love yes. meaningful games. Are you kidding me? I'm buckling up. And, again, watch out for Coach Zimmerman and his Emory kids because yeah. they, they're going to have to win. They know they've got to put wins on the board. They're looking to mess up. I don't know if Emory can get enough wins to win the conference. So they're looking to just stockpile. Going to be tough. U of our finishes at Emory. Wow, what a game, man. Look out. Again, circle that one, February 25th. Yep. I'm, a, I'm already booked on my flight to Atlanta, ready for that you know, one. Enjoy the warmth, at least, if you can get down there. <laughs> um, so. And by the way, McGrath and Wingen are going to have their programs ready, too. Don't forget oh, no it. doubt. No and, doubt. And, of course, you know, last week, WashU had a dog fight, despite being up 16 at one point against um, uh, Case Western Reserve, too. So it'll be fascinating. But then on the women's side. Oh, man. You've got to be kidding me, JC. It's crazy. We got a three way tie. Rochester, Washu, Chicago at 5 and 2, with Rochester 14 and 4, and Washu at 16 and 2. Carnegie Mellon's 15 and 3, and 4 and 3, tied with Emory, who's 4 and 3. 
Case Western's having a good season, eleven and seven, and is three and four. NYU might be ten and eight, and they might be zero and seven, but that doesn't mean they aren't going to wake up at some point, despite all the injuries. This is a hell of a race. You, you tell me this now: we got eight teams, UAA, right? Women's right. basketball. All eight teams have a winning overall record. Right. Show me another <laughs> conference in the country, men or women. I don't care what D three, D through D two, D one, whatever you want to talk. To I got to check. I think next CAC men might be the only other one I know of. See, I mean, we're we're talking maybe, right? I mean, and they are. They're the only other one. Only other one. That is crazy to me, and that's how tough it is night in and night out in the UA for the women. Got a three-way tie: U of R, Wash U, and Chicago. And again, goes back to schedule: Wash U, four straight home games coming up here. Five of their last seven. U of R's got to finish with four straight road and five of their last seven away from home. So schedule favors Wash U. Hey, how about Chicago? They hmm. already beat Wash U. Yeah. You know, look out for the Maroons and, and Carissa St. Kentucky. What a terrific job she's done with, with Chicago. Uh, they just run you into the ground, man. Dribble drive all day long. <laughs> Wash U, Nancy Faye. I mean, come on. She's, she's, the, emperor. she's the empress in this yes. league. You know, they, they are ready to play. I don't, it doesn't, if you roll them out of bed, they're ready to go, man. I mean, that's how tough and prepared Wash U is. And, again, don't look past my U of R uh, Yellow Jackets with Al Leslie. Yep. One of the best players in the conference, and we and I didn't even mention Carnegie Mellon. Look at them, Lisa Absolutely. Murphy. Kid just went over two thousand career points. She's tough to beat. Emery's up at four three. Forget about it, man. I'm telling you what. If you want me to pick, I can't. No. There's five or six teams that have a legit chance at winning the UAA title. That's nuts. Yeah, and by the way, two thousand one thousand for her. Two thousand yeah. points, one thousand rebounds. First Crazy. player ever in UAA. Um, she, she's something else and and you go up and down this conference dave and every team has got a player that you say wow yeah she's terrific but everybody's you know everybody's tough to be and if you don't bring your best every night you're gonna lose i don't care where you're playing home or away every single team has outscored their opponents this season by total points not in conference but overall that's amazing. Um, I, I was going to say, pick your winner, but I'm not going to. Don't worry it, about it. It's hard. I, I, I know. can't. I mean, you know, get it, it, you go through this turnaround weekend now, see what happens. Uh, Wash U is hosting Carnegie Mellon and Case Western. So if they get through those two, and again, with all their home games left, I think that puts the Bears in a pretty good position. Uh, U of R, Chicago, they've got to be able to keep pace. And again, don't look past Carnegie Mellon, Emory, or even Case Western for sure. that matter. I mean, they they score a ton of points, the Spartans. So it, it's good stuff. I got to let you go. Trust me, I would talk to you 10 more minutes at least on just the <laughs> UAA. Um, but I got to let you go. I know you got to hit the road as well. Thank you so much for taking the time. We will touch base with you by the end of the season to get a pulse on the East region and maybe who's in and who's out of the tournament. But thanks so much for taking the time here on the marathon. As always, I give you the final word. Any final thoughts with that? I think pretty solid voice right now uh, for any of the viewers who are tuning in. <laughs> I'm, I'm holding up and uh, ready to go for this weekend. I, got, I will leave you to this. 30 years of doing this, Dave, I've never walked into a building having knowing no idea whether I'm going to be able to broadcast this weekend. Wow. We're going over to Hunter College on the Friday yeah. for NYU, and uh, we just don't know if we've got any broadcast facilities available to us. So that's going to be a little bit of a mystery, uh, just the, the charm of the UAA and traveling. And, man, those NYU kids, they had it tough. They, they have yeah. no home gym. So, uh, you know, as difficult as it is for me, it's about ten times tougher for those yeah. guys. Yeah, it's going to be a tough five or some odd years for NYU. Thanks, yeah. sir. Take care. Safe travels, will you? Thanks, Dave. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Take care of yourself.
JC DeLast joining us from the East Region. Uh, we don't touch base with JC enough, to be blunt. We just do not do it. Uh, he does a good East Region report. Got a fascinating East Region. He gets me excited about the East Region, and that UAA ra race is insane. And some of those other races are insane. It'll be fun to watch the last few weeks. We're a little bit behind schedule, so we're going to take a break. When we come back, we'll start talking a little bit men's basketball. We'll go talk to the uh, the Greensboro Pride out of the USA South. You listen to Hoops Hope, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA NABC Studios more Hoopsville after this. My name is Marcus Walker. I was All-State, won a state championship, a high school All-American, and played college and pro ball. I played because I love the game. I grind to be the best. I sweat because I put in work. I'm strong because I believe. When I want to bring it before game time, I come to the house that college basketball built, the CBE. No matter your skill, take it to another level. Elevate your game right here at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. This is our It's On Us pledge. It's on us to make a personal commitment to help keep all people safe from sexual assault, regardless of race, gender, sexual orientation, or ability. Not to be bystanders to the problem, but to be leaders of the solution. We invite you to join us in this campaign by informing your campuses about the It's On Us mission. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division III basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. Cheer for the stumbles. The heat should have had that. And the tears that linger. For in those moments, greatness lies. There, you will find the provoked, the determined, the unified. It's in those moments that champions are born. Ah, oh, welcome back to the Hoopsville Marathon. Every once in a while, I forget to click that little button at the bottom that releases the microphone. So you'll see me come back. I'm, I'm mouthing. You're probably like, what's with my audio? And then I realize it's my audio. Welcome back to the Hoopsville Marathon. We're an hour and a half down. We can do this. We can do this. We're stretching the muscles. We're getting ready. I hope you're enjoying it. If you've got questions for us, uh, email us, hoopsville at d3hoops.com. We'll try and get them onto a, um, a uh, segment here for the uh, mailbag. Uh, if you've got other questions, you can also tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Got one uh, question from somebody who knows my cell phone for a guest earlier. It's perfectly timed. We got it in. Um, so we're going to keep going here because we're a little bit behind. We're going to jump into the men's basketball. We're going down the south region of the USA South. Fascinating race going on there. Methodist now in the lead at 7-3 and three in the conference, 13-8 and eight overall. But the team we had our eye on was Greensboro. They're now 12-7 and seven and 16-3. Six they were in, in the lead in the conference. Unfortunately, have lost two of their last three, including the Methodists, in overtime um, back on February 1st, which was last night, 92-90. Um, but sometimes that's not the entire story. So we go to the Hoopsall Hotline Skype line. And joining us is the head coach of Greensboro. Sir, welcome to Hoopsville, and thanks so much for taking the time. David, I appreciate you having me on. 
I uh, forgot to mention, it's Brian Golusky, uh is the head coach of Greensboro. You mean, you, mean, you mean to tell me people don't know who I am? Come on. I know. I mean, I can't believe that we haven't figured this out yet. I mean, you should just automatically be assumed, right? That's right. That's right. Um, hey, listen, let's be honest, though. 12 and 7, you're 16 and 11 last year, 15 and 11 the year before, 12 and 15. It's been a few years since 18 wins. 12 and 7 isn't bad. I would almost mm-hmm. argue maybe no one expected you to be in the first place in the conference in the first place. Uh, except us. Well, of you course, know, except you. Except us. Uh, you know, we knew, um, you know, coming into this year that uh, that we had pieces. You know, it's just whether or not how how well those pieces were going to come together. And, you know, uh, for a moment, the beginning part of conference play, you know, we were playing really good basketball. We've hit a couple bumps here the last couple games. But, you know, I like the growth of our team. I mean, we have, you know, some senior leadership. We have new kids. We have freshmen stepping up. So, you know, it's just – you know, we're, we're still unfortunately finding ourselves, but, you know, we, we think we have tools uh, to get it done, you know, deep in the stretch here. Um, obviously, the last two of the last three didn't go your way. Let's just get it out of the way. Yeah. Um, 68-66 lost to Ferrum and 92-90 lost to Methodist. In other words, it was right there for the taking. It just yeah. slipped out of your hands. What was happening in those two games, and we also should mention, and he's going to hate me for saying this, three losses in the last six, two of them in overtime, the other one in North Carolina, Wesleyan 102-96. What's happened in those three games that hasn't happened the rest of the season? Well, if you look at the games we've won, uh, we've won, I I believe, in considerable amounts. And, you know, we're having a tough time finishing, you know, close games. And let's, let's be straight here it's they're all tough at this at this juncture and you know we're going back go back uh, 10 days you know we we go to methodist uh we win tough game on the road we we go to peace the next day who i think is very talented in our league and and we win so we're riding a high you know so we think we're we're moving in the right direction and you know as a coach you say all right you got to win road game so we come back midweek against Ferrum. um you know, going in, you know, we, we have to force the tempo. You know, we didn't. Uh, we played into Ferrum's hands and give them credit. You know, we just we we just didn't play comfortable. We didn't play focused, and we got beat on the road. And um, we're fortunate enough to get back in a W column this past weekend against Huntington. Didn't p- play particularly well. And then uh, last night had opportunities uh, and. Just, just didn't finish the game, Dave. I, you know, we a Methodist, I think, is a very, very good basketball team. Hence, their first place in our league. And, and um, you know, we have to find a way to fine tune some situations because we're going to be in those again. And you know, we can't be on that the L side of things moving forward. Unfortunately, we don't have a rematch with Methodist coming. Yeah, um, that was the one and only. Is correct? Yeah, the one and only. Yeah, that we played, we played them. that. Yeah, we played them at their place, yeah. and then they just came to to ours yesterday. But so. you've got three of their last. Last five at home, including a rematch with Ferrum. Yeah. Um, William Peace, who's actually been a bit of a surprise this season, is next. Averett, who I've always said is sneaky good. There's some yeah. losses that teams took to him early in the season. Everyone's like, ah, Averett's not that good. I'm like, no, yeah. Averett's better than you think. Then on the road to LaGrange, on the road with Piedmont, and at home against Ferrum. This is an interesting finish. This isn't one of those where it's got a game you highlight and go, yeah, that one. Or for your team, it's got a bunch of sneaky games. We're going to we're going to uh, where we are as a program, where we are as 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 a team right now is is going to develop over the next 10 days. Um, gotcha. You know, two two tough games this weekend. And obviously, I'm sitting here after getting beaten overtime last <laughs> night against Methodist. 
Um, but you know, I, I think peace is is very good. There, we were fortunate to win on the road at their place. They're they're high octane. They're up tempo. They make shots. They play extremely hard. You know, we all have our hands full. You know, on Saturday and then, and you know, as well as I know, in college basketball, you. you it's tough to play back-to-back games, and our league does do that. So we're going to come back the next day and play Averitt, um, who who's now fighting, you know, yeah. who's fighting for the top. And um, now the, the the fortunate thing for us is they are home, and you know what they say: you you got to win your home games and try to steal them on the road. So, it, you know, where we are character-wise, um, where our leadership is, you know, how bad we want it and how bad we're listening, where our focus is 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 certainly going to be evident. Come you know, down the stretch, you know, in the next few games. Um, I think you're taking the loss last night. Okay. I think I, you know, I, I am because, um, <laughs> you know, it's, uh, it's uh, the older I get, the more I I'm in, you know, more years in, in coaching, you understand uh, all of our kids tried last night. Oh, absolutely. They, they, they tried both teams effort, you know, was, was there, it was a great college basketball game. And I'm starting to realize that. And, you know, we get so caught up in the, in the win and loss and, you know, that's the frustrating part. But, you know, it, you know, as my dad always says, you got to coach him up, right? You got to coach him up. And that's, you know, we have to learn uh, from last night. And and if we can, then, you know, I, I think that's what's the refreshing part in coaching. And, and usually the best team is standing, you know, at the end of the year. It may not be that way as you go through the year because it's, it's hard. But, you know, at the end of the year, conference tournament, whoever goes to the big dance, whoever wins the league is, is normally the, the best team. Um, so obviously there's a lot on the line with the rest of the season. You got to keep winning to stay in position to do what you can. Yeah. Um, how much do you have to remind a senior that's a team that's got a lot of seniors on it or how much do they already know that? Oh, it's a, it's a reminder every day. Uh, we talk every, every day about, you know, not taking, you know, our opportunities for granted that, you know, tomorrow is, is not given. And, and I think in, in today's, you know, uh, society and what we're trying to teach young people, I think it's so important. You know, I actually, it's funny you ask on Tuesday night uh, at the end of practice before we came to half court, you know, we're going to have senior night on February 18th and uh, we're going to, we're going to honor four seniors. And to, to show how important it was, and no one's in the gym except, you know, obviously myself, my staff, our training staff, our players. I, I lined everyone up in the opposite corner of the gym, just like we will on the 18th of February. And I stood at half court and I said, you know, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, let's welcome, you know, who's playing in uh, his last uh, basketball game at Haynes Gymnasium. And I went down all seniors, number 10, Chris Corbin, you know, and they walked out in the tunnel with our guys and, you know, they clapped and I said, fellas, this this is what it is. And and everyone's going to be in this predicament at some point or another in their career. And um, it's it's really, really important, Dave, that that our kids understand we're, we're at second place, you know, trying to win a league, um, go to the national tournament. Many teams and kids don't have the opportunity to do it. And we're fortunate to, to have ourselves in that position. And, you know, we I'm hoping, and I, I think we are. We're valuing, you know, every opportunity we have. Um, um, by the way, if you need uh, a public address announcer for those moments in the future, just let me know. I'd be happy to come on down and help you, you out. With you it. got. It. You Thanks. said four seniors, but I see five listed on the roster. What? Um, did you forget one in practice, Coach? No, I did not. Maybe I did math wrong. Uh, I got I'm Alvin a- Cunningham, Christopher Corbin, 
Alvin, uh, well, yes. No, no, no. Correct. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Alvin Cunningham, you, you caught me there. No, no, no. Actually, he just had reconstructive ACL. Oh, so. that's the one. Okay. So, yes. Uh, I knew there so was somebody, Alvin, but I couldn't remember who it yeah, was. Yeah, okay. Alvin, unfortunately, um, I'm like, wait, man. I, I know he played in one play. game. Yeah. Um, so, uh, actually, we had two kids with ACL surgery. And Corey Burnett, who was our starting center at the beginning of the year, and then oh. Alvin Cunningham, just, uh, you know, last uh, probably uh, two and a half, three weeks ago. So and, you know, we're kind of in that situation now where, you know, from a red shirt standpoint with Alvin. So, gotcha. yes, hopefully he, he's not. Hopefully he was not a senior this year. <laughs> I just look at the roster. That's why. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You're led by a senior Jonathan uh, Donna Donovan Griffith. 16 yeah. and a half points a game, eight and, a, and almost nine rebounds a game, two assists a game. Um, geez, almost Three, two assists or two steals a game as well. Shoots yeah. 53% from the floor. He ain't too bad. Uh, second on the team is Joseph Gatling, uh, a junior. Um, 15 and a half points a game, five rebounds a game, two and a half assists a game. Uh, Darius Maddox, 12 and a half points a game, uh, 2.3 rebounds a game. And then um, Lorenzo Mary, eight and a half points and, and 6.8 rebounds a game. Good core yeah. group there. Obviously, there's more yeah. guys. There's, geez, you, you go deep. Yeah, we bench, do. and we that's do. partially because of injuries, and that's also partially because you got some talent there. We like to think so, and and going back to your first question, you know, when you said, did you expect us to to be where we are? I, we felt we had ability, and we felt we had talent, and I, you know, I when Donovan Griffith is. Uh, you know, a college basketball player and he's engaged and, and he wants to play, I, I think he has the opportunity to be the best player in our league. And that, and that he's done a great job. And when you look at statistics, you say, wow, what a phenomenal year. You know, we as a coaching staff think that Donovan can kind of up it a tad bit more, especially like in a game like a la last night. You know, um, he, he has the ability to dominate. But statistically, he's having a great, great year. But if we are going to do what we want to do down the stretch, it's going to have to be because Donovan late in the game um, in certain situations and uh, possessions, he takes over. Um, and we have good compliment on the perimeter, you know, to go with him as well. And Joe and, and, and Darius has been fabulous as a freshman. There are one, two, three, four, six teams within two and a half games at the top of the conference. This is not yeah. going to be a pleasant finish uh, to the conference. <laughs> Methodist is at seven and three. You guys at six yeah. and three with Averett, Maryville at five yeah. and three with Piedmont. And Ferrum yeah. at five and four. Everybody's gotten above five hundred record except for Averett, eight and twelve. Really strange. Yeah. yeah. How does this finish? And and where? And I know you want to be at the top, but if you can't yeah. hit the top, where do you want to maybe position yourself? You know. You know what? To be quite honest with you, we. You know, it's one game at a time, and I'm probably going to talk like a coach here. Uh, but <laughs> you know, we just we just we just have to keep winning. And you know, I I'll be. I, I'm not going to kid you here. I, you know, we're, we're anxious and we want to host, you know, we want to host our conference tournament, but uh, we, you know, we have work to do. I mean, the league is so it's a traffic jam uh, right now. And, and I think, you know, it's whoever's going to play best down the stretch as, as probably many conferences across the country. But, you know, for us, it's one game at a time. Um, and if we can take care of what, you know, we need to take care of, uh, you know, I think we'll be right there. Yeah. It's an interesting conference with 11 teams. Nine of them are at 500 or above Two yeah. of them are below, and one of them's in third place. Uh, yes. <laughs> it's just, it you is know, I, crazy. We, we, I think, yeah, and I, Dave, I think we all struggle with the same thing. I, I consistency, you know. I mean, just it's it's so seesawed where, and the games are close, and and just um, I think we're we're equal in in a lot of ways, and and you know our our conference certainly spans a lot of miles, and and when you go on the road, it it creates difficulty, and and. Uh, 
you know, it's just it's evenly matched, and so it should make for an exciting, exciting finish. Uh, you had a game scheduled on November 29th against Roanoke uh, at home. Yeah. I'm highly suspicious yeah. that's not happening now. No, we uh, it was the craziest thing. I've never ever been in in that situation before. Obviously, the moisture on the floor. Yeah, I think an NBA game had it the same, same, same night as us, and we just. We, we had to cancel or suspend and, and unfortunately due to, you know, scheduling conflicts and when our, you know, conference schedules, both for Roanoke and Greensboro, we just couldn't find a date, unfortunately. So uh, I, I definitely, I definitely wanted to play the game. There's, there's no doubt. It just, it just didn't happen. That was like a couple uh, minutes from being official, wasn't it? Uh, well, we had, I want to say 15 minutes left in the second half uh, left and, and rule states that you can go back, you can play from where, um, you right. know, we laid off or we can go back to original tip. So I, it, it, as far as it being official, um, I'm not aware. No, I just meant you, you guys are close. It was so close. Oh yeah. I it just... was all, it was all, and we wanted to do it. It's yeah. just, it got to the point where we were ice skating in central park. So. <laughs> I've seen that before. Actually, I've seen yeah. arenas like that. And you're like, uh, are we really playing this game? Yeah, um, it wasn't, it wasn't good. And we tried hard. It, it just, it just didn't happen. Um, well, sir, I appreciate you taking the time to join us. Um, sure. Fascinating conference, fascinating team. Obviously fell out of first place, which is unfortunate, but you guys are right in the mix. Um, and I'm, I'm going to be interested to see how this USA South turns out. It, it's going to be interesting all the way down to the last game of the season. Um, and, and I appreciate you taking the time to join us. As always, um, we uh, give the guests the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those tuning in? Uh, David, I appreciate the opportunity to to get on the air and expose Greensboro College men's basketball. I appreciate you having us on, and and I you do a great job, and all for not only obviously today, but but all at Division Three, and appreciate your interest and your support. So thank you, thank you, Coach. Appreciate the kind words. Uh, good luck the rest of the way. We'll have fun watching, as I said, and uh, we we wish you luck. Thanks, pal. Appreciate you much. Absolutely. Take care. Uh, yep, Greensboro again, sitting in second place in the conference. We'll see how they turn out the rest of the way. Uh, it's 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 going to be interesting. But Brian uh, Golusky, I think, has got a squad there that can maybe uh, turn that corner in the last five games of the season and, and maybe do something. We'll see what happens. I mean, they're going to do something anyway. They're sitting in second. It's a matter of if they can overcome Methodist, um, who unfortunately uh, they they have beaten but split with. We'll see how it goes the rest of the way. I, I'm 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 a little bit interested. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we'll switch into the Mid-Atlantic region. We'll talk to a team got a big win last night. Mary Washington and Eagles women's basketball beat Christopher Newport to split the season. Season between them and Christopher Newport, should they win out, could come down to a coin flip as to who's going to control which gym they play in the conference championship. Albeit they all got to get there first. And the CAC is not easy. We'll talk to Dina Applebury coming up. You're listening to Hoops Hope presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios. More Hoopsville after this. My name is Marcus Walker. I was All-State, won a state championship, a high school All-American, and played college and pro ball. I played because I love the game. I grind to be the best. I sweat because I put in work. I'm strong because I believe. When I want to bring it before game time, I come to the house that college basketball built, the CBE. No matter your skill, take it to another level. Elevate your game right here at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. I'm a Division III student athlete, and I know how powerful words can be. The term gay doesn't mean stupid, lame, or less than. So I pledge to speak up if I hear the term gay used in a derogatory way or any other homophobic terms. If you can play, 
you can play in Division Three. I'm a Division Three student athlete, and my teammates unconditionally accepted me as part of their family. So now I pledge to do the same for others. If you can play, you can play in Division Three. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games, leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division III basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. Great moments are born from great opportunity. That's what you have here tonight. That's what you've earned here tonight. This is your time. Now go out there and take it. And welcome back to the Hoopsville Marathon, folks. I'm your host, Dave McHugh. If you've got questions for us, join us for the Hoopsville Mailbag. I see one question in there. We'll get to it soon. At D3 Hoopsville, or I should say Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com is your email address. Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. Twitter's at d 3 And, of course, we're simulcasting the show uh, at um, on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Hoopsville as well. Jumping into the Mid-Atlantic region, big game last night between number five, Christopher Newport, and number eight, Mary Washington in women's basketball. Uh, Mary Christopher Newport had, had, had won the previous engagement, 75-67. Interesting enough, almost an identical score, but this time it was Mary Washington, 74-69, the victors. Now we have a two-team um, tie atop the CAC with Marymount Lurkin at 10-3. and three. York's in the conversation. This gets interesting. Well, we want to know more about it. Of course, when we do that, we decide we go to the uh, Hoopsville uh, Hotline, sponsored by the City of Salem, and Dina Appleberry, the head coach for um, the Mary Washington Eagles, joins us. And, of course, as I mentioned that, I realize I have the wrong earpiece in. But, Coach, uh, welcome to Hoopsville. Thanks for taking the time. Thank you, Dave. Thanks for having me on the show. Big game last night against Christopher Newport. You had dropped the first one at their place. Of course, you got the return engagement at your place. Uh, you needed that one, didn't you? Um, I think we did. I mean, we wanted to um, have another opportunity at them. And, um, you know, our, our league right now is, is so incredibly strong. Um, it, was, it was a really good game. This game obviously makes you tied atop the conference should everything play out. I think the tiebreaker ends up coming down to a, a, to a, um, a, a coin flip potentially. Is that, is that true? Uh, that is that is true. That's oh. probably what will happen, or it could be could be what would happen. There's other ways to break it, but I think the, I heard the committee had decided not to use those avenues. So this this will be interesting, but very important at least to a coin flip. But as you said, this race is interesting because Marymount's still behind by two games at ten and three, sixteen and four. York is lurking as well, um, and of course, if we look at your schedule, you've got Marymount still ahead of you. So there's a lot of work still to be done. Oh, with, with no doubt. I mean, our conference right now is as strong as it's ever been in the 14 years I've been, you know, in the league. Um, you know, there's a lot of good teams in our league. And, I mean, you know, I think us and Christopher Newport are both going to have to really um, continue doing a good job so that we can maintain that tie. I mean, we could um, – if we, if we make any mistakes along the way, you know, there may not be a tie for long.
long. Yeah, that is very true uh, for either team. Obviously, with both in the top 10, there are high expectations. But I almost feel like uh, everybody's trying to understand the dynamics of both of your squads. Obviously, I'm not going to ask you about Christopher Newport. I want to figure out you guys a little bit. Number eight in the country um, and, and a big win. You only have one loss. It's a Christopher you got some big wins throughout the rest of the season as well. But if you were trying to sell your squad, let's say, to regional rank team, team, people putting the regional rankings together, or trying to sell your squad to the top 25, how would you go about doing it? Well, I mean, I think we have two prolific scorers. Um, They're doing a fantastic job. I mean, they're number one and three in the as far as scoring goes. Um, and, you know, we, we have, you know, solid depth in our roster, and we have different kids that are stepping up on different nights um, and contributing significantly to the success of the team. Um, you know, we're senior-driven uh, with, uh, you know, Megan Green being a fifth-year senior. Um, she's, you know, and, and of course, Brianna. Um, and I think, you know, I just think, you know, our league is incredibly tough right now, and, and we've played some really solid non-conference teams to continue to prepare us. And, you know, I mean, I think, um, you know, I think we, we deserve being noticed and, and can, you know, deserve where we're ranked. Um, I can't believe this is your 14th season. Um, it feels like yesterday when you entered this league. Kind of helped t- turn the league over a little bit, kind of make it a little bit more interesting. You know, we had, we were used to the – the usual suspects, as it were, Marymount being one of them. Um, you guys have pretty much been in the conversation since you've been in. Uh, you can't go far back on D3 hoops and find a sub-20 season, only one, and it was 2014. Otherwise, you're 20-plus wins all the way. Is it almost become, um, I, don't, I hate using the word routine, but expected seems like a, a little short of a definition. But it, do you just expect that you will win 20 wins and that is the goal every year and you will be at the top of this conference? I mean, our goal is not to win 20 games. Our goal sure. is to, to just continue to go out and play strong every single night. Um, you know, and I think if we continue to prepare and, and um, do a good job recruiting and do a good job developing our student athletes, that, you know, we can be at that level consistently. Um, but, we, you know, we have to continue maintaining, um, uh, you know, consistent work ethic, like I said, with the development of our players. And as long as we, you know, stay strong in those areas, uh, you know, our, our league is only getting tougher by the day. Um, and, you know, so we have to continue to, you know, to prepare every single game because obviously teams bring their, you know, their best games against us on a lot of nights. Um, and we just have to, you know, kind of take games one on and try to continue, um, um, you know, taking care of business. You've got two seniors on this squad, which probably disappoints everybody else in the conference. Um, but two of the three are your leading scorers. Comden at 16.5 points a game, uh, also pulling down over 5.5 rebounds a game. Megan Green is third on the team at 7.3. In between is the junior, 14.2 points a game. Uh, and she shoots pretty nicely from the field. Uh, both of them, all three of them really do. Uh, Parker and Green especially well from outside the arc. Um, but outside of those three, there's a lot of other players who certainly contribute. What's been what's been the secret and the sauce, as it were? Well, I think you know our kids are very unselfish. We have uh, tremendous team chemistry, and you know the girls play for each other. You know they're very close. Um, they they hang out together all the time, and I, I think that you know leads to on any given night we're okay with letting other kids step up and fill in gaps and 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 from time to time. I mean, uh, Taylor Barton has had some big games for us, um, especially last night. Um, Elizabeth Dolvemeyer has had some tremendous games for us. Um, and I have other kids that are stepping in. I mean, Jordan Pamelaney, uh, you know, Megan Comer, Kinsey, um, you know, uh, Jenkins. Uh, just We've had several kids come in and step up. And, 
And, um, you know, quite frankly, some of the kids that don't get a lot of minutes that are, you know, that are coming off the bench, you know, do a fantastic job every single day in practice and take pride in helping us prepare for games. And when they get their opportunities, they go out on the floor, and if it's only a few minutes, they, they produce. And um, so we have a really unique chemistry right now exciting to be a part of and just to watch the kids really play for each other. Eight players have played in pretty much every single game. Uh, nine, ten have played in the majority of the game. You're certainly willing to go deep on the bench to find the right answers, are you? No, I mean, I'm, I'm confident in all the young ladies that we have rostered, and, you know, it's just a matter of trying to find time for some of them sometimes and, and yeah. to try to get those right matchups and, and uh, to continue building their confidence and developing them as the season progresses because you never know when we may need a different person to step in and contribute. Your last five, three of them probably take on or go to one of the, the three tougher places to play in the conference. You'll have out to Frostburg State. The trip alone sometimes can beat people up. Not to mention, uh, not much. Uh, that you know, it's pretty much Frostburg State and nothing else out there. Uh, you also have to go to Marymount. That's a tough gym to play in. I, known for echoes. Uh, and at Wesley, and Wesley's very difficult to play at. You got you got some three challenging road trips ahead of you in the last five games of the season. Oh, that's for sure. I mean, Frostburg is playing very well right now. I mean, they beat Marymount uh, a week ago or so, and um, it's going to be a big challenge to go out there. Marymount is always incredibly challenging, um, so that's going to be a good matchup. And again, like you said, on the road. And then Wesley is tough to play on their home court for sure, and I mean, they're playing very well. I mean, um, you know, some of the teams in our league, their records don't indicate how good they actually are. And, um, and so, yes, you know, we're going to have uh, our work cut out for us as we come down the stretch here. So what's the message that you're delivering to the team, whether in practice or in pregame? I mean, you know, the message isn't going to change. It doesn't change whether we're playing Christopher Newport or who's, you know, maybe the record isn't isn't as strong. I mean, our message is every day we're going to go out and be the best that we can be and, and you know, kind of let the pieces fall into place. Uh, we have to be prepared. Uh, we have to be disciplined mentally and physically and um, just go out there, play hard, and have fun. This conference is a beast, as we mentioned. Uh, Christopher Newport, obviously, at the Mount in the conversation. York certainly showed their stuff. Salisbury fell off, I think, more than I expected them to. Um, it, it, this conference has always shown some depth. Is this depth probably here to stay, though? This this conference seems a little young. I think it is. I think the depth is here to stay because we have some very strong coaches in this league that are continuing to progress and develop. Um, and, and, you know, some of those coaches are new and haven't been in the league very long. So, I mean, they're doing a nice job with their teams. Um, and I think, you know, I think this, you know, this league is going to continue to grow and it's going to continue to get better. Well, Coach, uh, I can't imagine a more exciting finish here. The return engagement against Christopher Newport last night was certainly worth the billing, as it were. Did you do anything different last night than in the previous game? Or is, are these two teams so evenly matched it just comes down to whoever's got last possession? Well, you know, I just think we really, you know, in the last, you know, since last time we played uh, Newport that, um, you know, in the last couple of weeks that we've really just matured. We've kind of come into it, and I think, uh -huh. um, you know, last night was a was a critical turning point for us as a team. And, you know, I mean, Salisbury, you know, you may say they've, they've dropped off a little bit, but they're still incredibly competitive. I mean, we just played them, you know, two games ago, and they had the lead on us the entire game until five minutes left in the game, and then we go ahead and beat them by 12. Christopher Newport, we have to lead the entire game. So, I mean, you know, I think my team is just really maturing and, like I said, kind of coming into their own and gaining that confidence that they need to, uh, to come, you know, coming down the stretch that, you know, we're going we're gonna to need to depend on when it gets into the conference tournament and, and hopefully beyond. 
Well, Coach, appreciate you taking the time to talk about your Eagles. I always, I always enjoy watching what you guys can put together for a season um, because it, as much as you win a lot of games every year, it's it always seems a little different, um, whether it's the makeup of the team or the execution or the conference's makeup certainly has a factor in that. I always enjoy watching the games. So thanks for taking a, a little bit more idea of, of what your team's made up with. Obviously a good win last night over Christopher Newport, but it's still some work ahead. As always, we give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those tuning in? Well, Dave, I just want to say thank you for having me on the show once again. Um, it's been a pleasure, and, um, you know, thank you. Uh, it sounds cliche like everybody else says to you, but thank you for all the work that you do for Division Three and just helping represent these student-athletes who devote so much of their time and are such dedicated, you know, athletes um, and, and that play for the love of the game. So thank you for everything that you do for supporting Division Three. Well, thank you, Coach. You're right. It is about the student-athletes. But do me a favor. Keep Clint on his toes for me. <laughs> Good luck with that one. I know. It's a little tough. I know. But I, I, have, I have faith in you, Coach. <laughs> Thanks so much. Good luck the rest of the season. All right. Thank you, Dave. Take care. All right. Bye. Bye. Dina Applebury joining us on the City of Salem Hoopsville Hotline again. Team only one loss. It's Christopher Newport back on January 18th. They avenged that last night. Almost identical scores. They lost 75-67, and they won 74-69. Uh, at Frostburg, then home against St. Mary's and Penn State Harrisburg, then at Marymount and at Wesley. An interesting finish. They can't rest on their laurels. We'll see how they do. But as Coach said, they're starting to, they're, they're still maturing and starting to hit their stride. Most teams want to have that happen. But if you're in the CAC, you're a little bit worried that Mary Washington is actually doing that. Got uh, <laughs> James Wagner, who we'll have on the show later. Clinton is an American hero. <laughs> Wags. Don't give Clint that. Uh, Clint often the uh, SID at Mary Washington. Clint, I hope you're tuning in, buddy. We're having some fun. Uh, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we'll talk to Bill Nelson, head coach for Johns Hopkins. I actually talked to him earlier in the week. He was won his 600th game and knocking on the door his 500th at Johns Hopkins. We'll talk to him coming up. You're listening to Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios. More Hoopsville after this. To never really talk, ever. Uh, I was afraid if I said something wrong, everyone would laugh at me. But then I started to play golf with Special Olympics. It helped me to find my And now everyone else is speechless. This is why we love sports. It's in the way they play, free from the pressures and all the money talk. Playing for simply the love of the game, where everyone has a shot at their definition of success on and off the field. This is what we love about sports and what we can still love about college sports. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're at d3hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. We are calling you, all of you. 
we are calling all Division III schools to join our cause. It's on us to start change. It's on us to be the change. It's on us. It's on Division Three. It's on all of us to stop sexual assault. Hello, everybody. We're talking about Mid-Atlantic Region as we just got done talking to Dina Appleberry at Mary Washington. Got a chance now to talk to Johns Hopkins men's basketball. I uh, had an opportunity to go down to Johns Hopkins earlier in the week and talk to their head coach, Bill Nelson. Team is now on a seven-game winning streak. Uh, they have won um, 11 of their last back to the end of December uh, after they had lost three of four. They have lost... Uh, 11 of or one now 11 of 12 their only loss being to Dickinson got a big win over Gettysburg 67-47 in this interview you'll hear coach Nelson refer to Gettysburg as getting ready for them but obviously we already talked um we'll talk a little bit more about their finish but here is coach Nelson in our conversation uh earlier this week Bill Nelson now joining me here on the floor at Hopkins and first and foremost thanks for for uh, letting us take some of your time well, Dave, uh, it's a pleasure. Um, it's a nice, quiet morning, and I'm <laughs> glad to sit down with you and talk uh, D3 hoops. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. We should mention to everybody, by the way, we're talking to Coach uh, earlier in the week before their game. I think it's, what, against Gettysburg coming up. So our, our information may be a little bit dated by the time this airs on Thursday. But first and foremost, congratulations on win number 600. As you and I sit here at 603 now, for your and you're knocking on the door of 500. Right. Here at, with the Blue Jays, that's some impressive milestones. It's uh, only took uh, 37 years. <laughs> it's been a blur. There's some who never get there, Coach. So. I know. I, I kind of wonder uh, how it happened myself. Uh, <laughs> you know, um, everybody, when a symbolic number comes up, it's very important. It's one ball game, but, you know, people talk about, um, you know, it's the kids. You love co uh, coaching the young man, and that's true. Here at Hopkins, it's much more than that. I just... Love getting up in the morning and coming to work each day because we've got a great, not only coaching staff, but uh, the people in our front office are pleasant and, um, you know, so easy to work with. And um, it's been enjoyable. This is certainly one of the fun campuses for me to come to. Granted, it's 10 minutes from the house, the but this, it is fun to come to. But it's also fun to see this program kind of resurged back into the conversation in the last few years. You know, there was a, you guys kind of went through a bit of a rough spot. We but did. You, you kind of come right back in. Now you're at the top of the conference again. You're in play, and obviously we're not that far removed from some great NCAA tournament runs. Now, uh, back in uh, 2007, uh, we had a 24 and 5, mm -hmm. and, um, you know, we, uh, we got to the tournament, and uh, we lost to a, I, I think they went to the Final Four or close to it. They didn't know. Guilford, yeah. really good. Just they should have gone to the Final yeah, Four. Just missed out. And, uh, then we then the I think we had five seniors graduate and couldn't replace them yeah. and uh, we had a winning record and then we had three losing years in a row and it, it basically all comes down to recruiting yeah. you know and um, it was a rough uh, little stretch and then uh, started getting it back again and um, you know, we've got a group now of uh, young men uh, well balanced we've got um, two grad students on the team I've never had that before <laughs> for, for different reasons uh, four seniors two juniors four um, sophomores and two freshmen so it's it's you know we've got the leadership we've got the youth and they've made it work they really get along with each other well and obviously as you and i are talking 13 and 6 on the season rough start to the year uh probably not how you drew it up well uh the non-league schedule was tough uh, yeah. five of the seven non-league games were on the road you know we played at lynchburg we played at salisbury we played um uh 
We played Cortland here. Yep. Um, you know, pretty good schedule. Cabrini, yeah, played Cabrini, Cabrini on, on a neutral court. Yep. So, you know, I think that that part of the year really helped us learn about our team. I mean, we, we've got two different starters than we had in, in those <laughs> games. And, uh, you know, coming into the season with, with such a diverse group, um, there were changes that had to be made. And some of our young guys really emerged uh, in our sophomore class. We've got two sophomores starting right now. Yeah, you certainly have found depth on this team. Uh, and Surprisingly, found... I'm yeah. really And that's happy obviously about it. good for the future, but it's great this year, too, because you're, you're able to go deeper in games, obviously, and, and find other ways to, to get these guys to contribute. Exactly, and um, even Saturday against our sinus, I mean, we were getting blown out at halftime. We gave up 51 points, and, um, you know, the leadership took charge there because, um, you know, we've been in nine, I think, nine games this year, which um, four points or less and come down yeah. to the final seconds. And that's four of them, so we've learned some lessons in that regard. <laughs> and we, won, we won the other five. So, uh, you know, and Saturday we uh, just hung in there and, um, you know, finished on a 15-3 run and squeaked it out at the end. Conference has been interesting this year. It's been all over the place. I mean, you've got a Franklin Marshall team who started out near the bottom of the conference, comes roaring out, and then kind of falls off. You guys, again, rough start. You have a, an interesting result that I think a lot of people would have scratched their head against uh, Muhlenberg at the beginning of the season. But then you guys have only lost one game in conference play in the last uh, eight. I mean, you, well, it's not kind only of been Muhlenberg, back and forth. We lost to Gettysburg yep. in December, and then... Uh, we lost Dickinson here. Uh, you're right, it's up and down. Like Gettysburg's been struggling. However, opened up the paper Sunday morning, and uh, you <laughs> know they went to 15 and three Swarthmore, and we're up 21, 21 points at halftime against Swarthmore. So yeah. that's going to be eye-opening at practice tonight when we start <laughs> talking about that for Wednesday night's game because they they've lost a lot of close games, and um, they've made some changes too, and um, you know. They're tough, especially if they're allowed to run the, you know, the Princeton offense as, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, as well as they run it. That's when they're really tough. Well, then their sinus has been a team that has come along in a different mentality, kind of a group mentality, and gotten some big wins and emerged back at the top or in the middle of everything. McDaniel goes and beats F&M, but then you right. guys smoke McDaniel. Smoke McDaniel. And it's it's yeah, just a little sinus, bit chaotic this year. And McDaniel beat her sinus, yet her sinus, the leading you know, they're averaging over 80 points yeah. a game, and, and Kevin's got a great group of guys. Uh, you know, he and I talked over the years, and, you know, previously, uh, three or four years ago, they were struggling, and he's brought some guys in who really care about each other, and, uh, you know, we're, they're right in the hunt. They're second place tied with Franklin Marshall, and we're tied at first place with uh, Swarthmore and Dickinson, just uh, two games behind us. And, of course, you mentioned all the teams you're going to Obviously, Gettysburg will have played by the time yeah. we, uh, this airs, but you got Dickinson, Franklin, Marshall, Swarthmore, Washington College, and Haverford ahead. This is going to be an interesting finish well, it is. the and season. The uh, Gettysburg game Wednesday at home has followed those three teams you mentioned, uh, Dickinson, F&M, and uh, Swarthmore, all on the road. Yeah. So, you know. Can't take, a place, take advantage of this place. No. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. You got to, you got to, you know, the good, we've had um, ups and downs on the road. Mm -hmm. It's, um, you know, it's, Nice to go in there and get off to a good start in the building and, and quiet the home fans down. And those team, those places we were going, F and M, Swarthmore, they really follow their and Dickinson follow their team. So 
It's, it's a, they're tough venues. And it's important to also get the tournament at your place. We've seen the success that you've had here in this gym when the when the Centennial Conference has to come through here. Right. Versus how challenging it has been most times at F&M in recent history, right. but certainly at other places to try and knock off the, the champ there. This is a, a great venue, and um, our, uh, the, our, the athletes at our school um, are the only students really around here in January, and they've really been a big factor in our success this year. Um, the football team, the baseball team, the track and cross-country team, uh, you know, the football team gets in crazy costumes. Yeah, and Loud and... Uh, and our, and our guys and every venue in the country, uh, when that happens, the, the players respond, mm -hmm. and it, it makes it a great atmosphere. Yeah, the the costumes that they come up with sometimes, that they they're unique. They're uh, unique. They're, they they add to the atmosphere, though. They do. I don't kind of pay attention to, to it till the game's over, and then I see them over in the corner. <laughs> and Coach Aikens loves that kind of stuff, and he, he's six eight and goes over there and jumps in there with them at the end of the game and they love that too so to be a part of the action. So you should also point fun. out by the way this place has been redone a little bit, new floor, uh, better windows, some other things. It's nice to see this thing get a little bit of a facelift. It is. It's, uh, you know, it's a great good gym and um, you know the floor is what has always been a great floor for uh, players to play on because it it's, it's mm -hmm. gives and uh, it's great on the legs, the knees and um, you know the, play, uh, the fans are right close to the court. Oh, yeah, and, you know, when we do get a good crowd, even when we have 300 in there, it's the kind of place that does get loud. So um, I love coaching here. Uh, let's talk about the team a little bit. You're led by Kyle uh, Duran, I believe. Doran. Doran. See, I had a 50-50 chance. St. Joe's. Uh, 11 and a half points a game, uh, five rebounds a game. Sam Gordon, uh, seven, uh, six and a half re uh, rebounds, 11 points a game, 10 points, almost 10 points for uh, Michael, uh, Ryan Curran, I should say, and Michael Gardner, uh, and eight points from Daniel Villa. Vila, I know that there's more than just what the stat line says, but that core group has certainly done a lot on the offensive end and been a catalyst this season, it would seem. It really has. Uh, you know, Sam Gordon's a unique story. Roster limits here. We can't yep. have any more than 15 on our team. So when he came to Hopkins, I said, I can't promise you even being on the team. So he kind of hung around for two years. He would play with the guys in the spring and the fall. His second year, uh, I called him my our enhanced statistical guru and and uh, he went with us to the games and and then the junior year I said Sam we have an opening here and um, he came in and uh, he's been phenomenal I mean um, you know he started I think at the beginning of the last year he's kept growing he's up to about six seven Jeez. and uh, you know he, he the other on Saturday he had a double double ten rebounds I think a dozen or ten points and and he got the big rebound at the end of the game to get the ball out to Michael Gardner. And it's just a great story about a guy that hangs in there. And then Austin Basiliitis, our other mm. graduate student, um, was having an all-conference season as a senior, yeah. uh, leading, leading the point guards and everything. Six games, he tore his ACL. Yep. So it's amazing that both those two guys had really great jobs uh, signed yeah. up for. And they decided to come back to school, and they're at the Curry School of Business. And I think it's a testament to the uh, the other players on the team that these guys wanted here playing with them for one well, more year. And you bring that up. This is the first time you, you've had grad students, and obviously there are grad programs on the campus. If anyone doesn't know, Hopkins is obviously one of the top universities in the country in terms of academics. They've really taken a heck of a sacrifice if they've got jobs lined up and said, no, I want 
year at least to be in Goldfarb and with you and to be back in school at yeah. a pretty tough you know institution. Well, they're getting the masters. I think both guys have their guys have their uh, positions deferred, um, but still, it, it, it's a year of not making big bucks. Yeah. And, uh, and and I guess right there, Division Three basketball yeah. and the enjoyment that the players uh, that participate, uh, what they get out of it. Let's talk about the history a little bit. We mentioned 600, uh, that you've eclipsed that. You're knocking on the door, and it could be by the end of this week, you could be looking at 500 just here at Hopkins. Uh, 37 years, as you point out, of coach Nazareth, RIT, but 30 of them here at Hopkins. Yeah. I know I've asked you this before, but what's the biggest change that you've experienced in those 37 years? Um, recruiting. Um, from from Hopkins' standpoint, um, it's tougher and tougher to to um, recruit academically. Um, I can't go into a gym anymore and uh, say, oh, I like that guy over there and I'll check his grades and, you know, uh, we might have a decent shot of, of interesting him in the Hopkins. Now it's, it's um, you know, uh, I, I depend on pretty much the recruit getting to me, yeah. writing to me, calling me, emailing me. Um, and then we do the follow-up. Now in the summer, I, you know, there are some great venues at the mm -hmm. Ivy League schools that we go to, and um, and we can get some names in that. But the recruiting's been the tough part. The kids have, they've really been the same. A lot of people talk about how the guys have changed. You know, as long as you communicate and are fair with them, and and that uh, we we never have quitters. You know, we never. I can't tell you the last time somebody transferred um, academically. Right now they're they're doing better the last four or five years than they've ever done when I get the grades in the spring and the fall. So, you know, we really uh, picked up some outstanding young men. I know you probably weren't thinking about it. Uh, knowing you, you probably didn't really remember it, but what did it mean when you hit number 600 and got that win? What, did, what, what was No, I wasn't thinking about it, and it was <laughs> because the game was like, uh, uh, um, at Washington College, which yeah. it often is, and yeah. number two, it doesn't matter who's coaching at Washington College. They play their butts off. And uh, we did get, have a lead, and then we uh, botched that, and it really <laughs> got close at the end. And when we, you know, we made our free throws at the end, they didn't, and that was the difference in the game. And I, you know, I was walking off the court, you know, sweat off my brow, and all of a sudden the players started shaking my hand. And then I realized, you know, yeah. this was, it, was, it was great. I mean, they were happy. Uh, my college teammate and roommate, Paul Bunich, uh, you know, he drove 402 miles, he and his wife, uh, up to see the game. Wow. You know, I can imagine what the post-game get-together I had with him would have been like had we lost. But uh, I was really thankful to get it over with. You know, we talk about distractions a lot on yeah. our team. We, we like our players to leave things in the locker room. Uh, any little thing that's a distraction we try to omit. And uh, I was kind of, I'm glad it's over for a lot of reasons, but, you know, it's, it is kind of a distraction in a good way but still it's you know takes the mind off things at hand sometimes and it, it was a great night I'm glad it's over I gotta ask 37 years 600 wins 500 most likely at Hopkins by the time we're done I can't imagine that won't be eclipsed you say you love coming to work but at the same time it at the end is got to be somewhere around the corner have you thought about when you might hang up the shoes I used to say it year to year and then I would go month to month day to day now it's minute by minute <laughs> you know if Gettysburg clocks this Wednesday night, which, right they, which they could, <laughs> you know, I might say goodbye. You know, <laughs> it's a, uh, it's hard. You know, it's, 
I really do enjoy coming to work every day. Yeah. I mean, I've got a lot of friends that look forward to retirement, and now they're down in Florida golfing and this and that, and, you know, they're enjoying life. <laughs> and maybe someday I'll do that too, but uh, this has been a, a pleasant experience, and it's like I told somebody, I've lived my dream plus. Uh, you know, it's uh, Martin Hopkins 31 years ago. It, you never know what it's going to end up like, and now, you know, it seems like it's past so rapidly that um, you look back uh, and you wonder, uh, gee, where'd the time go? And um, when it's all over, uh, you know, there will be a lot of um, great memories come back. In fact, this weekend we had an alumni game. Brian Cosgrove, one of our oh, yeah. most popular players in Hopkins history, passed away. Uh, he was a 2003 yeah. grad last May. And, you know, we dedicate, we've named, renamed the alumni game for, for Grover. And, um, <laughs> We had over 50 alumni, uh, 40 to 50 alumni playing in the this weekend. And that alumni day is my favorite day because these guys come back and just to look at them out on the floor shooting around and that and laughing and talking about old times and, and that, that's, that's what makes. And you, the way you, you have it good. set up, your team doesn't have to play them, so you don't have to worry about that. Right. Yeah, <laughs> there's, there's some pretty good players. Yeah, you, you, they're I still know. pretty darn good. And I, I, I make sure our guys are there watching them because, you know, they're going to. They're watching guys. They'll be in that same situation mm -hmm. in four, five, six years. Um, so it's very rewarding. Hopkins kind of known for long tenured coaches. Coaches. They, they, nobody makes this a quick stop. That you for a career, and you've had a few in the department who have decided to leave. Does that have any influence on you? Not really. I mean, we have a uh, great staff. You know, you mentioned you're, yeah. you're, you've been saying some nice things about our program, but. You know, kind of it pale. What we've done pales in comparison to you know, Coach Babb with the baseball and Coach Margaret with the football, with the women's basketball and Coach Weil with the soccer program. Coach Kennedy, who was coaching um, uh, swimming and, and that. Those those teams uh, uh, were out, have been outstanding yeah. for 30 plus years themselves. Yeah. And um, you know, coaches do like to stay at Hopkins. I have an assistant coach, Ed Richardson, who's been assisting me for uh, all 31 years, and. Uh, you don't see that with assistant coaches. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, Ed wouldn't be here unless he didn't enjoy it. Yeah. yeah you better mention Petra Mahler. He might come out with a uh, lacrosse stick. Yeah. Well, <laughs> we've been talking the last couple of days about a, a basketball lacrosse recruit uh, down the line. So. Um, oh, you know, interesting. Yeah. That, that would be, a be really interesting. Yeah, that might help get him in, right? Yeah, that might help yeah. quite a bit. Um, the other thing, obviously, is, you know, again, you've seen it all, as it were. What's in the game, what has been the biggest change? Well, uh, you know, I mean, we talk about the um, shot clock and the yeah. three-line, which I vehemently disagreed with, <laughs> and now I, I think it's a huge. Well, now you're known game. for having three-point shooters. <laughs> you know, that's surprisingly uh, so because this year, I, I, you know, we're number one in the conference three-point shooting, and I would have been I'm shocked to say that. <laughs> yeah. uh, I, I, like I said, emerged. Yeah. And. Um, you know, they, it's a good thing because um, we struggle some other areas. But I think those two uh, parts of the game. And in recent years, you know, teams in our league are doing that dribble drive mm -hmm. and very successful at it. Um, you know, I still think there's a place for the big man down low. Mm -hmm. um, I think, uh, you know, if you, get, you have a guy that's down low that can um, score in a one-on-one -on -one situation, so that means the opponents have to start making adjustments, and I think it opens up a little more on the perimeter. And um, we've got some, we've got Ryan Kern, we've got Daniel Villa, we've got Harry O'Neill, who's a freshman. All three of those guys are 
tough down low and, and even in, in the game on Saturday I mean we were able to get all three of them in at different times and you mentioned earlier about depth mm -hmm. and that uh, I think we did have some uh, energy and rest at the end of the game that helped pull this through that, that those last five minutes. Well, looking forward to seeing how the season concludes for you guys. It looks like it's going to be a fun run to the end. Well, at least for know, us fans. I, you know, one thing I, <laughs> I always remember, you know, uh, things can change on a dime. Yeah. And uh, we just got to keep our guys, uh, you know, you look over the weekend and, you, you know, you see, uh, like I said, uh, Gettysburg upsetting Swarthmore like that. Big time, it wasn't a fluke. So, you know, we just got to remember what got us here and hopefully continue to do it. Absolutely. Well, thanks for your support. Thank you very much. Hoops, and uh, I appreciate uh, you coming over here. Well, absolutely. I appreciate it. It was a pleasure to chat with you. We always give the final word to the coach. Any final thoughts you want to share with those watching? Uh, well, people always ask about, um, you know, the enjoyment of coaching at Hopkins. And uh, I've been blessed to be in a conference that you know very well with, um, you know, I, I think Hopkins is a balanced place between academics, athletics, the, you know, mm -hmm. the social life and that. And I think our conference mirrors that. Uh, you know, the outstanding schools, um, the players on the other teams, you know, you shake hands with the game, win or lose, like, like your sinus, they, you know, look you straight in the eye. And that's, I'm bringing this up because it's a reflection on the coaches. You know, there's a lot of coaches who've been in this conference quite a Long few time. years, too, yeah. beside myself. And they're quality individuals. They teach the game the right way. And uh, that's part of the whole, uh, that's, that's, that's a huge part of why, uh, Coaching. Awesome. Well, it was great to see you. Take care of the rest of Thanks, the season. Dave. We'll look forward to chatting with you down it. the road. Yeah, this is a great time of year, isn't it? Getting it's, down to the awesome. nitty-gritty. Yeah, pretty much. Appreciate it. Thank Take you. Take care of the rest of the way. Right old. Thanks. Uh, thanks to Bill Nelson once again for joining us on Hoops Hill. The team is, uh, again, on a running on a winning streak right now. Have won seven in a row. Gettysburg 67-47. They've got Dickinson and Franklin Marshall on the road ahead. They've also got Swarthmore on the road ahead before finishing at home against Washington College and Haverford. This one is not over. Centennial race is certainly interesting with Swarthmore and Hopkins tied atop at 10-3. and Ursinus is behind at 9-4. and F&M and Dickinson at 8-2. and Should be a great finish on the way. Going to take another break. We're a little bit behind, so we've got to get going here. we got Rose Haller from the Atlantic Region Centenary Women's Basketball will join us. We'll talk about the Cyclones coming up. You're listening to Hoops Show presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios. More of the marathon when we return. College basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. The College Basketball Experience is the place to get your game on. It's not a museum. It's an experience you won't forget. Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame, featuring the Gallery of Honor, Mentor's Circle, and Honor Theater. Suit up in the latest CBE-logoed Mackie gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. Elevate your game today and visit the house that college basketball built. It starts right when you hit the court. You imagine your finest moment. The game-winning shot that gets you to the dance to dunk or no-look pass and cutting down the net. Sports lets us dream of our own success and prepare us for our finest moments on and off the court. I'm a current Division III student athlete and I remember how intimidating the first year of college can be. So if you're a first year student athlete, and nervous about coming out as LGBTQ. I pledge to stand by your side as your ally. If you can play, you can play Division Three. 
We are Division Three student athletes, and you can be too. If you can play, you can play in Division Three. I did receive a non-athletic scholarship upon entering uh, school. I got the presidential scholarship, which was huge for me. I think there's more opportunities for academic scholarships Division Three. I did receive academic scholarships. Just being involved on campus, being a leader, all those things combined kind of get me recognized. It's a great experience for me. And welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Hope you're enjoying this marathon. We are two and a half hours in, which means we're nowhere close to the end. Uh, got lots to cover here in Division Three basketball. We're doing it all the way at least until 10 o'clock tonight on the East Coast. So join us. Email us, hoopsville at d3hoops.com. Join us on Facebook, where we're simulcasting the show, facebook.com slash hoopsville. Join us on Twitter, at d3hoops. Hashtag Hoopsville. Um, have we covered all the bases? We have Instagram, though we're not really following that as well. But we, we, we're there, too. Um, a few of you have noticed that I completely botched the name of the school for the next guest. I apologize. Clearly two and a half hours in and I've already had enough. Um, it is not uh, centenary or whatever I said. It's Centenary, New Jersey, playing really good basketball out of the uh, CAC, including a win over Cabrini, who has certainly been the class of, this, of, the, uh, of the conference for most of the last few years. Uh, now they are sitting uh, second place behind Marywood by a game and tied with Newman. Guess who's ahead on the schedule? This is why we time these times. Well, we want to know what's going on with the Cyclones. They're certainly playing some good basketball. And joining us on the city of Salem, Skype Hotline is their head coach, Rose Haller. Coach, welcome to Hoopsville. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Did I say Haller correctly? You did. Good, good. Just wanted to make because I already screwed up the name of the school. You're on a roll now. <laughs> yeah, I am. Exactly. Thanks for taking the time. Listen, this is this is a great season for this squad. Um, 14 and 13 last year and 8 and 17 the year before. And this is a team that hovers around 500 most seasons. Uh, you can go back to 09 when they were 17 and 9. So to be 16 and 4, 9 and 2, and a major factor in the conference has got to be rewarding. It's been it's been a real fun year with this group of kids and uh, being my first year, I'm really happy with the way that they have bought in and, and their work ethic. Uh, which is something we talked about in the beginning of the season is learning to work as hard as they can. Yeah, that's the thing that's interesting, too, is this is your first season with the Cyclones. And the first-year coaches will come in with expectations. Can I turn a program around or can I raise them to another bar or can, another level or something along the way? Is this even in the realm of where you expected to be when you started this season or started the job? Absolutely. It's one of the first things I talk to them about is winning a championship. Um, we are upperclassmen loaded. Um, I have actually been watching them play for a few years. Uh, junior Amber Reisenwitz played for me at the high school level. And my youngest daughter was recruited by Centenary last year. So we saw quite a few games and she's here now on campus. So the first thing we talked about is, um, do you want to win a championship? And the answer, of course, was yes. And, and then we went to task to try to do that. Uh, again, in a conference that you know, Cabrini has certainly, I wouldn't say in control, but certainly been on top of most of the way. Newman is in the conversation this year. Cabrini is 10-10 and 10 this season. They certainly lost a lot from their last few years, but they're still 8-3 and three in the conference. Gwen and Mercy is 10-10, and 10, but 8-3 and three in the conference. It's an interesting top right now, and you certainly have taken advantage of maybe that power vacuum, as it were, um, able to jump into the top of the conference and... Um, 
and, and get into the, into the into the conversation. But more importantly, you're still doing it at this point in the season. A lot of these kind of rebuilds, sometimes the second half of the conference schedules when things get really tough. Right. Well, and I and I think you know we're just starting to play well. We we first had to learn to play hard, and we've won some games. Uh, the Cabrini game, we did not play well at all, especially offensively. We just played as hard as we could. And I thought last night down at Cedar Crest, we did well on offense. So we're still learning. And, and the thing that I tried to sell to these guys early is if you'll just go out and do your job as hard as you can every night, then at some point we'll start playing well and good things will happen. Uh, you look at the, the schedule and you know you have a loss to FDU Florham, uh, certainly a powerhouse team and lost by you lost to Drew by 11, and you lost to Gwynedd Mercy by 20, and you lost to Newman by four. Three of those four were not close. It almost, and I've had asked this a few coaches already. It's almost like when the games aren't a win or they're not going to go your way, that things just completely unravel. But the more important thing is you don't have a losing streak. You get back on the horse. How has the team been so good at, at ignoring what have been really tough games? Well, again, I think that the upperclassmen for us are, are, they've been through a lot, and I think they really are enjoying having the opportunity to win, having the opportunity to be in the mix. And the senior great group of, of kids, they're good leaders, they're hard workers, and they've kind of they've kind of decided to do that. I mean, it, it's coming from within them. So, uh, you know, when we've had those losses, we've been able to regroup and just kind of go back to our our main focus is just, just to work as hard as you can, and, and that makes it easy. We don't talk always about winning. We talk about how hard we're going to work, and I think that leads to winning. Uh, five seniors on the squad, and that's obviously the leadership you're referring to, um, and, and they lead in many ways, including in the stat sheet. Um, the leading scorer on this team is, is Mallory George, 14.5.1 rebounds. Awfully nice to have a double-double average. Uh, by the way, she also hands out 3.8 assists and shoots 49% from the floor. Uh, not too bad. And then Rachel Edwards, 11.6 points a game, 9.7 from Heather Yaros, uh, 8 points from Julia Pre uh, Present, and, and so on and so forth. But when you have that ability to score, rebound, and pass out assists from George, everything else is gravy. Right. And Mallory George does so much for us that aren't, you know, that is not in the stat sheet. She normally guards the best player. Um, just her presence on the court is comforting, I think. And, and she's a great leader. She's a warrior. She blues and you got to love that in a kid. And she's always the hard, hardest worker on the court night in and night out. She comes and does her job. And on top of that conversation of the five seniors, those four players we mentioned, two seniors, two juniors, it is that upperclassman leadership. Did you did you sense a change in the locker room? I mean, obviously you weren't there last year, but I mean, when you when you walk in, you probably saw a certain demeanor when you took the job. Did you see a change in that demeanor, or was that demeanor there the whole time? Well, I think this team's always had the basis. I mean, they've stuck together through four coaches, and yeah. um, you know they've stuck together. They're still friends off the court, and to me, that that was something that that showed they had some heart. Um, the change came because, you know, I demanded, and in the beginning they resisted, um, but I keep demanding and they keep stepping up to the plate, and now I think it's becoming, uh, you know, confidence. I think they're gaining confidence. They're seeing that they really can do the things that I saw in them, and they're starting to have fun with it, which is, you know, that's a dangerous weapon to have when you're having fun during the season. So, um, you know, the, the change is happening slowly, but we've 
to me, we've kind of had to fast track everything because I've, I've only took over two months ago and we have a lot to accomplish, yeah. uh, you know, in, in a little bit of time. Um, so we mentioned you're in the mix uh, for this run at the top. You've got the Marywood and Newman games already behind you. Uh, for those who aren't sure, um, you beat Marywood back on November 30th by three. Newman tripped you up 50 to 46 back in the middle of January. They are your next two opponents. Your advantage is they are at your place. Um, you got Saturday against Newman, Marywood coming up next week. Obviously, these are key games, but how great is it for you that you're going to be able to do them at least at home? I think it's great that we're homing. There's a certain amount of excitement here for the kids now. Um, you know, we've been getting a pretty good fan base, which is nice. And uh, so it's, you know, of course, nice not to have to travel and to be able to have the game at your own gym and, and get up and just do your normal routine. Um, so I'm, you know, I think the, the kids and myself, we're, we're really excited about the next two games. It's nice to be in the mix rather than just, you know, playing to ruin someone's season. Here's the trick I got, though, for you. Obviously, two big games here for Newman and Mary Wood, and by the end of it, you could be on top of the conference. Obviously, you got to play the games. But then you got Rosemont, Cairn, and Immaculata on the other side of that. Um, Cairn, Immaculata in the middle of the conference, uh, Rosemont towards the bottom of the conference, two of them on the road, and then the final one against Immaculata at home. How, how important is it not only to play well in these next two, but then not have a letdown against the next three? Right, and we've talked about that, and we've we've asked, actually had some lessons on letdowns this year. Uh, we've we've come out and played some of those teams and been down 14 or 15, and had to fight back. And you know, again, for this team, it's they don't have that experience, so it's it's hoping that they listen to me of this is what we need to do because they haven't had the opportunity to be where they are right now. Um, and so you know, we just got to go out and and handle business, but. Again, I think that senior leadership is going to pull us through those times. Um, again, it's an amazing run that this team is going on. Um, I, I'm fascinated to see, you know, just the ebbs and the flows of it. You know, you take uh, a loss early, then you get back on the winning streak, a loss, then two losses, and now you're on this winning streak. You've won 10, besides two out of three in the middle of that. It just seems like like you no matter how this season ends, it's good for the program. It's good for the players. They've got to be thrilled with just how the season and how the program's turned around. Right, and we talked a lot to the senior class about what legacy leave, and, and I know they've had a few disappointing years here, um, but I'd, one of the main goals for me was not to let the senior class leave on a note of disappointment. And um, so they've really stepped up to the plate. Um, but to me, you know, I'm, I'm going to keep demanding more because they have it. They can do this. And, uh, you know, as long as we're working hard, then we'll go with whatever happens, happens, and we can deal with it. I'm very curious. What drew you to this job? Well, it's kind of funny. It, it's opened a few times, and I've yep. looked at it a few times. Um, I, you know, this is really what I love to do the most. Um, but my daughter was recruited here Coach Kendall and, and really liked Coach Kendall and uh, called me one night. She happened to be down here on campus and said, Coach, quit, and are you going to apply for the job? And I had actually coached my youngest in high school, and I didn't want to leave the year before when it opened, and I just felt like it was the perfect time to retire from uh, my pop and try something, you know, go back to something I like in life. Both children are out of the house. It gives me the opportunity <laughs> to, to do something that I like to do now.
Yeah. Hey, you're you're gone. It's time for me to play and have some fun. <laughs> and and the job cop kept opening. It was probably one of those. Hey, you really want to apply here? Come on. <laughs> right. It just seemed like you know it, you know people say you're in the right place at the right time. It just seemed that the last time it opened, um, I was in the right place at the right time and with uh, the right situation. You're a former D two coach. I believe you graduated from the same school you coached, East Stroudsburg. Um, anything you've had to adjust to in the sense of the difference in the divisions outside of obviously the scholarships, uh, outside of that, I usually consider D2 and D3 to be somewhat similar. Yeah. You know, it doesn't really matter where I've coached it. If it's been in the youth leagues or the high school level or the college level, um, I try to judge potential and coach to people's potential and the, and the ex the expectation then is the same. Mm -hmm. Um, so I hate to lose. So I always try to, to, to coach that way. Um, so really, you know, Division Two and Division Three. I think, like you said, the biggest thing is the the scholarship and competing with um, at this level, not being able to give scholarship. But we have other things to offer that I think are equally attractive. Well, coach, at the season, I'm also fascinated by the conference race, uh, especially with the next two games uh, being so pivotal in it. Uh, I wish the Cyclones uh, good luck. Uh, we certainly will keep an eye on them and 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 look forward to how the season will finish. Uh, a tradition on this show is we always give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who maybe? The final word is um, I, I'm really proud of my kids, the excitement they've brought to the program, and, and I, I hope that that can continue for them. I'm sure it will. Um, it is great to see the, the progress that this program has done under your first year. Good luck the rest of the way, especially in the next two, and we'll look forward to talking to you down the road. Thank you. Thanks for having me today. Absolutely. Rose Haller joining us again from Centenary. Uh, New Jersey, uh, the Cyclones again in the thick of it in the CSAC. They are 16 and four overall, 92 in the conference. Big games against Newman and Marywood coming up in the next two, but they've still got five to play before the conference tournament starts. Going to take another break when we come back. We're going to BC Executive Director Daniel Donahue joins me, and then following her, the, NA, the WBCA, I should say, the WBCA Center Court segment with Pat. Uh, Manning, plenty of good uh, women's basketball conversation ahead. You're listening to Hoops Hope presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA NABC studios. Uh, Donna, you joins me from WBCA coming up. It's worth listening. She's got some great ideas on women's basketball. We'll be back with more after this.